All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. This is episode... 142. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> That'll be the title of this episode. Uh, yeah, so in the house tonight, I, I have minimal amounts of news. I'm going to let Wiggs take over tonight. And uh, should we spill the beans right now? Should we let the cat We can wait. Okay. We'll uh, make it like a surprise. Yeah, we'll surprise you. For the non-Patreon subscribers. <laughs> yeah. If, you, uh, if you're a Patreon, if you're a patron supporter, you already know uh, the, the gig, the jig is already up. But uh, yeah, if you're not, you're going to ha- have to wait till Friday. All right, let's get into the theme music. We don't really have to wait till Friday because this is going to come out on Friday. Oops, that's tr- <laughs> This is Friday. <laughs> wait till a few minutes. Welcome back to another fabulous fri- Friday. Whoops, <laughs> I forgot that today's Friday. Uh, Wigs, I got some news. Before we get into the news, uh, what- you know how many people's day you just ruined because you're like you're gonna have to wait till Friday, and they're like, "Shit, it's not Friday." Mm, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey guys, I just woke up. It's Friday. Guess what? Uh, <laughs> so I got a little bit of news, but before I get into that, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the baton over to you. I'm gonna pass you the shell what was that shell in lord of the flies like you could speak if you had the conch conch shell or something i'm gonna pass it on over to wigs what have you been up to dude like what's going on what have you done this week little of nothing that was kind of what was awesome about it yeah like from last week nothing special it's which is rare it's been rare lately to be like i didn't go to someplace racing (laughs) this weekend there was quite a bit of stuff there has been and there will be more stuff coming uh, yeah. Each weekend, I feel like I've got a whole bunch of stuff um, written down and saved, but uh, for current events and this and that, and I feel like toward the end of the year, especially here in SoCal, since nowhere else has anything, they, we just pile it on. Yeah. Here, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so. There was stuff a couple big on. events this weekend, and there's more stuff coming up, and yeah, it's so, definitely still happening. Yeah, we'll get to the current events, but it was kind of nice just to chill. For me, this weekend, I wa- I haven't gone riding in I want to say like two weeks, and. Uh, I really wanted to get out and ride. It was a little, it was like high 90s, which having it be like 110 over the past month <laughs> it seems like a reprieve, but I still was like, oh, it's too hot. It has to be between like 76 and 80. <laughs> so I didn't go out. Plus, my kids um, started soccer. So that's going to put a serious damper on some uh, upcoming motorcycle events. Hopefully, uh, hopefully not too bad, but who knows? Uh, they're, you know, we'll see how that goes. And um, I may be showing up to some, I may be riding in some cleats to some soccer, I mean, to some <laughs> motorcycle events. But, um, but yeah, so that, that all happened this week. And so this coming weekend and for the next three weeks, three or four weeks, there's going to be something every weekend that I hope to uh, get out and cover. Um, I have actually been using my Moto Preserve app, those guys that uh, they gave us a, a free preview of the app and I've been using it. And one of the things that Ty from Lucky Wheel said is that this thing should shit post you and like shame you for not working on your bike. And I was like, dude, good thing it hasn't. Yeah. Because- <laughs> That's why I haven't really like signed up. Cause I'm like, I don't want to know that I should have changed my oil. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying, I've actually been making a list of stuff to do and tracking it in there and trying to basically, uh, uh get a handle on what i need to do before i start buying parts and so that's my next step is to i've used the app to kind of categorize uh, m- uh not maintenance but some restoration on my old quokka that's outside 
and uh, some stuff on Spamala even. Um, some upgrades like the turbo I want to put on it and the uh, king and queen with the sissy bar, <laughs> extended swing arm, all that great stuff. But um, but no, I've been making a list for stuff and I'm going to actually start, now that I got the list hashed out on there, I'm going to use it to categorize and start buying parts with my probably Christmas bonus money and the kids' uh, college fund and all that <laughs> stuff. So that's how that goes. But yeah, so upcoming events, uh, we'll have those halfway during the show. Uh, right out of the right out of the box here. Let's drop the uh, the flag on the news. What do you say? Sure. I'll insert, what news do we have? Insert yeah. mu- news music here. Do, do, do. <laughs> I uh, in the news. This is kind of old news now because I think this happened about a week and a half ago. But I we figured we probably should talk about it a little bit. Is Modus is uh, closing? And I just listened to a, an episode of Wheel Nerds or something that was recorded like two weeks ago, and they were talking about Modus and like an open house they were having. Well, they don't put their episodes out for like a month, so by the time it came out, Modus is like <laughs> out of business now or shut you know, down. I'm actually bummed. I had this conversation with someone um, who actually just built a full custom Modus that, like, he was like, "Oh yeah, Modus has given me a motor. He's a big." pretty known bike builder and um i was like you know it's cool is like i was like i just worry for that company and he's like why i'm like how many people are buying forty thousand dollar sport touring bikes that don't have shops every so many like yeah it's just such a tough market and to be a luxury ish bike in that market like the guys came from confederate right that started it uh, for modus i don't because they were based out of alabama if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know if Modus was the same guys as Confederate. But it was, like, to me, the Confederate was like a luxury, luxury. Like, 120 grand, billet, carbon fiber, the works. If you were into, like, that style, it was that level. Where the Modus was, like, was cool, and it had its cool stuff that was kind of gimmicky, I think. Which again, like I've talked about it before, like if I want to buy a Harley, I want an air-cooled pushrod bike. I say that. I like the new ones. Uh, if I want a Beamer, I want an opposing air-cooled pushrod bike. Um, so the Modus, like I was kind of like, who which, would put half of a V8 all, in one? Yeah. But it's kind of cool like for some of those companies to have that like gimmicky thing. And for Modus, you know, okay, so it's a V4 pushrod, like half of a 350. Or like a Moto Guzzi being its sideways V. Like, to me, that is kind of what those bikes are. But the price range that they hit, to me, there's just not that kind of a market. You're either the affordable price range for most people or your luxury luxury. And they were in the middle. Yeah. Where the, like, uber wealthy luxury guys aren't, like, it's not a cool status symbol. Yeah, I want to say they were like thirty-eight grand for a Modus somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. and it's like I don't know if it was much better than like an ST thirteen hundred or a, a probably Super wasn't Tenere or you yeah. know what I'm saying like one of the already existing FJR thirteen hundred. You know, yeah. like how much better it was, except for that it was a V four and and all that, and you so know. is the ST. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, the the Yamaha, the Super Tenere, like that's it's a pretty badass. I think it's a parallel twin right the yeah the super 10 is and yeah. the, um but even the mt09 or whatever the off-road version of the fz09 was the yeah, adv the, bike the, the fj then now the tracer is the new uh yeah the I, new there's one. just so many adventure bikes and touring bikes that are so good 
not even, I guess Modus wasn't really adventure. It was more of a sport touring, but you know, the ST 1300, the FJ 1100 or the concourse 1400. Yeah. Like there's so many good bikes and make so much power that are so reliable for so much less money that to me, it's a hard market to get in and yeah. to, yeah. And dealers everywhere. Like, yeah. and I was going to say the, for sure, like even Beamer has for less than that, you can get a luxury touring bike with more dealers, every, you know, with more dealers yeah. across the state. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. It's a shame cause it was really cool. The concept was cool. They sound badass. They really do. I was kind of skeptical until I heard one. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah. They, and it's, they were hot, right? They were hot touring hot rod bikes basically. Yeah. And it's just the American motorcycle industry is so with Harley changing in the near future, but still so narrow minded. Yeah. So cruiser focused and not much else, you know? Yeah. So, and I, I, there's something I wanted to, I just, I just saw this on the news today and I thought, man, I wrote these notes a couple of days ago, but, but this is so poignant and, and, um, it made me think of Harley and it made me think of zero and lightning and everything. Uh, there's right now in LA there's a they were giving out awards to movie shows that are made here in LA because L, if you know California is really hard to do business in. I know a lot of yeah. businesses that have gone to Nevada or yeah. middle, middle of the country whether you're IT, food service, anything yeah. because there's ta- a lot of taxes is is becoming Hard to do business from a. Well, it's from not a, only tax breaks for the company, but your employees can't afford to live on a normal salary. Yeah. So in LA, even movie production from LA was going elsewhere. I have a few friends that, that work in the movie industry and places like New Mexico, Breaking Bad, and uh, several other movies. There's a lot of cartoon stuff in Georgia. There's a big uh, Georgia studio had, in yeah. Georgia. Well, and Walking Dead went to Georgia and then. Hell, like after that, everything was going to Georgia. I think the Outsiders, and uh, I mean, it, it became to where like Sons of Anarchy and like one other thing was filmed in LA still, and everything else went away. Yeah, and so they're giving awards to businesses that come to LA. And and you know, the funny thing too is when you go to other cities, other states, they give you tax incentives, they give you tax breaks yeah. to work there, they give you the access to the union, the local union, because movies are all union run you can't i couldn't go over and move a couch unless i was like part of the set dressers union and they couldn't come over here and lift a coffee cup for me unless they were part of the like uh intern union or whatever the hell you know this <laughs> the intern it's, union. it's crazy the uh, the pro- yeah, production assistant union or whatever it well, is. i know they have problems with like some of the motorcycle shows in la and anaheim at the convention centers because yeah like you, a lot you of the small that roll of tape up off the floor because yeah, you're not the well, and crew. if you think of companies like Speed Merchant, like it's a small company that's really one or you know one person for the most part. He's got an employee, and then he's got a shop that makes stuff. Like he can't afford to pay someone thirty bucks a box to move <laughs> his table and five yeah. boxes in and out of there. Like yeah. you know that just isn't feasible for someone like that. And it right. And so I was thinking about how we're always talking about made in america made in america but hell when your city is when you're the industry you know the movie industry capital of the world and your city is now giving awards to uh studios and production companies to keep them to here keep them here imagine being a global business that has to keep your costs down and keep your prices low for your product you know yeah. what i'm saying like it, it just started, it made me really think about what we've been talking about lately and when it would be interesting to see some numbers on um shipping and import versus actually manufacturing stuff here. Yeah. Cause I, 
it's not a reliable source, but I have heard that like when Levi's, cause I think they just quit, they were making jeans still in San Francisco, but they cost like five or seven bucks more a pair. Yeah. But to the consumer, not because of markup, but to the consumer, they were like 250 bucks instead of 50 bucks. And they didn't mark them up because of the $7 more in cost. They marked them up because supply and demand. Yeah. But it was still like, well, if it only costs five or seven bucks more a pair, why not just make them all there? <laughs> and then, I mean, you know, obviously you run into keeping up with demand and stuff like that. Yeah. But and then they'll, they'll, if you don't ship all your stuff over to China, you yeah. would have had the infrastructure. <laughs> right. Right. So it, it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. So when, when I saw Modus going out of business, I thought, well, shit, there goes one more. We were just, I just talked to that guy that had a Janus at the uh, motorcycle show, and they're a small shop out of um, Goshen. You know what I'm saying? So if the, and they have to keep stuff super low and, and in-house, and they even outsource their motors. So, I mean, it's Well, because they are like 250cc little bikes, yeah. right? The oh, Goshen, yeah. Or the yeah. Janus. And so, I mean, they're a super boutique company, and they're selling those things for, you know. 2500 or 3500 bucks, aren't they? They're not uh, that bad. Yeah, it, I think it's like around five or something like that. Yeah, but it's like a one twenty-five or two hundred, two fifty, two fifty. Yeah, a little two fifty, and uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, if they're a boutique yeah. company and they can do it, it just it bums me that Modus. It makes it makes me think that thirty whatever thousand bucks, thirty-eight thousand bucks, whatever they're running, a little high for what people are. <sighs> it's just they don't have the mass production capabilities, and I don't know where they were getting their motors made at, but I'm guessing in the states. But I mean, they were. I mean, that's a casting and machining and everything yeah. because it was a total – where th- the Janus is buying like a Honda clone from China. I think they were – yeah, yeah. The Modus it, yeah. is not – and it's like – I think the Modus was taking a Buick uh, V8 and chopping them in half, right? <laughs> the Because um, <laughs> if you think of like Confederate, they were running like SNSs or something for a long time. And then the X-Wedge. Yeah. yeah. So they were running not a real production motor but something they could call up and order and was done. Yeah. Where Modus was like, they want to do it from the ground up. Yeah. Which and is cool, but obviously poses a lot of challenges. Yeah. And I want to say they've only been, they had only been around maybe for 10 or 15, 10, 15 years at the I'd max. Say I mean, they 10 had, max, yeah, they really? haven't been around for very long. They were, they were like a, a pretty cool flash in the pan, but uh, a flash in the pan nonetheless. And that brings me to motorcycle sales in general. Um, I was doing some research online. I kind of snooted around and saw what I could find online. It's really hard to get motorcycle sales unless you belong to an organization. Through my work, I do, but I'm not allowed to use that or disclose any of that information outside of work. So I, I had to like go around and look at all a bunch of different sources and try to discern what is what matches up to what I know is true. And motorcycle sales in the U.S. have been slumping, and that's why. Uh, you know the, the the funny thing is, is that I think the give a shift when they were talking about the the curve, the the we were measuring them on this huge curve due to the <laughs> everyone having all this money during you know the milk and honey years of selling like cheap yeah. financial or cheap uh, mortgages, and then all of a sudden it crashed. But if you looked at that underlying curve, it's steadily growing. So yeah. I, I don't think we're really in trouble, but I think we've seen it's like when the Dow Jones drops now. You know, it's been above ten thousand forever now i remember when it wasn't even at ten thousand though so now when it drops 200 points everyone freaks but you look at where it was like 15 years ago we were never even at ten thousand. now it drops 50 points and people freak right yeah but if you look at like the steady trajectory they're still doing pretty well um the crazy thing is that uh 
the data that I got, quads are almost making up quads and and off road motor like competition motorcycles make up almost the same volume as uh, regular on highway uh, of motorcycles. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's a pretty crazy thing to to wonder what happens to all those people. Like what happened? Did those guys transition into street riders? Are there a lot guys- that don't? Yeah, it really is. It's kind of surprising but there's a lot of guys that don't they're just all moto and yeah. that's it yeah yeah so i mean when, when i think of honda and i think of kawasaki and how and suzuki because suzuki is a super super niche brand like suzuki sells less than india than polaris i shouldn't say indian because polaris has a slingshot and pardon me and indian suzuki sells less in the states than polaris does you know okay, what i'm saying and so suzuki so. is like a uh What's driving them is probably the GSXRs, and then their super their motocross bikes, basically, because like there's they do pretty good on track, and they do pretty good at I the think motocross. Motocross, track. though, if it's not a Yamaha or Honda, <laughs> yeah. Well, Suzuki Suzuki takes a lot of road racing stuff, and they've done pretty. They do good. a lot of that. Yeah. The Jigsaw sells because it's cheaper than everything else, too. Yeah, and it's still you get pretty good bang for your buck, but. Uh, I was thinking because I was listening to um, the two enthusiast podcasts, and they were saying abroad Harley Davidson. You have to treat it like a boutique brand at this yeah. point, and that's why they're trying to grow up their customer base overseas is to get up to where somewhere where where they are to you know comparative to where they are in the states. But um, and that's why they're going to be offering all these bikes and making this huge change that we've been talking about. But um, for in the states, it's it's flipped. They're they're the biggest as far as on highway stuff goes. And then Suzuki and all the and scooter sales and stuff like that. They rely on some really really fringe. Like they are a boutique brand when you look yeah. at it. You know what I'm saying? Like people and Ducati and BMW are even less than that. So it's crazy how they can flourish and post sales numbers and still be at the bottom of the pile and say that they've grown every. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's, it's funny looking at the numbers, but um. Speaking of uh, a motorcycle sales uh, and Harley-Davidson and, and all this, I had a, a couple emails from people doing test rides recently. One of them was my one of my coworkers. He went out and test rode the new HDs. He test rode the, uh, the FXDR. Mm-hmm. Um, he test rode one of the CVOs, and then he test rode a Sportster. I think the 48 Special. The Sportster... He had an issue with because he said he couldn't even keep up with the pack, and uh, he was kind of bummed out about that. He was on a twelve hundred sports drink, yeah. keeping up with the pack. Yeah, everybody. He said everybody wanted to ride the CVOs, and I said, you know what? It's because I know I can't afford a Ferrari, but if they were offering a bunch of cars to test drive, I would rather drive the Ferrari than the Prius. I know I could have a Prius. I'll never yeah, get to drive true. a Ferrari, so I'll take it for a test. So I said, that's and the, probably why the CVOs, CVOs are pretty quick, but a twelve hundred sporty is quick unless. Like maybe if you get out on the freeway and you're scared to turn it, if you're not revving it, because they don't have a six gear in them, so he probably thinks he's running the shit out of it. But I'd yeah. run a twelve hundred sporty against about any production bike. Yeah, yeah. He um, it also had a big parachute on the back or something like that or something. He said, but uh, yeah, he just he felt like he couldn't keep up with the pack in that one. So he was he felt like he was dying out there. But he said the FXDR pulls like. Uh, crazy maniac like I don't know I don't know the torque ratings on that thing I really haven't paid that much attention to it yet I will pretty here pretty soon but he said that thing pulls like a friggin winch you know like that just it just had more to give every every time he whacked it open a little further it would just keep pulling Um, and then the CVO he was pretty impressed with I think he rode the 114 
think most of the CVOs have 114s in them. Uh, and so, I think you're right. Yeah, I think they're pretty much all 114s. Um, and so, yeah, he was impressed with those. He really likes the new fairings and all the new boombox stuff they added. And uh, so he said thumbs up from him. And uh, he's also... But again, you're looking at a forty-two, forty-three thousand yeah. dollars bike. <laughs> yeah, and he's also a guy that's gone from a CBR to a uh, Harley. You know what I'm saying? He's and he's stepped up the Harley. He first got a, I think his first one was a Slim, and then he went to the. Uh, a, it's either a Street Glide or something like that. And now he's looking again. He's like, man, I'm gonna CBO at this next bike. So I was like, man, you he jumped up the chain pretty quick. Yeah, but um, or, or he has a road uh, one of the Road King specials. And um, so the other per- other person that went out is uh, Bry Viffer, a famous field producer and uh, VFR enthusiast. VFR enthusiast and contributor contributor at large. He's always sending me pictures from India and everywhere that he he ends up working. Uh, he went on the Yamaha demo rides, and um, he actually invited me out to these. And some people were in town from uh, from out of town, so I couldn't go. That's usually how that works, right? People come in town from out of town, <laughs> so. <laughs> They came in town from right around here in town. No, I had a, I had friends over, so I couldn't go. But he only he got to ride two bikes, and he rode the uh, the XSR nine hundred, which is kind of their they call it a heritage classic, a heritage sport heritage, I guess. They actually did a really good job with it, and for yeah. I don't know, I think they did a really good job yeah. with it. It they really the retroness is done really well and really tasteful, not overdone. Um, and, and then it, and the modern side too is mixed in really well. Yeah, with it. it's not one of those weird like the new CBR one thousand where they're trying to go retro and they went like space age retro. Like yeah. it looks like it looks to me it looks a lot more like a retro mod than the, the XSR. A new, yeah, yeah, than a new bike. Try they just didn't try too hard. Yeah, they said this is good. Let's leave it instead yeah. of like yeah. I think you're right. Like with the the Honda, they yeah, or some of the other ones, they try so hard with it. You know, like, and maybe it's just me, like Triumph on their new fuel injection has these little plastic covers to look like carburetors. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> you, everybody says that too. Everybody thinks that they look stupid. Uh, like they're trying to fool you even though it's yeah. a throttle body under there. And uh, yeah. Like just, it's not an actual old bike. Like deal with that. Yeah. I think Royal Enfield but, did the same thing because they were, uh, you know, they were basically carbureted up until 2014, and then all, they're like, oh, man, like, we can't afford to – they had to keep – they just yeah. cast the thing around the throttle body. But, um, but yeah, it's really, really weird when they try to look super retro and hide – they try to hide their um, – the radiator, too, or the oil cooler in, on those Triumphs. They tr- kind of, like, stuck it a little bit down to where not not as conspicuous. So they try to make it look air-cooled. But um, but the XSR, I agree. They did a really good job with it. There was also a little bit of a, if I remember correctly, there was a suspension issue with the um, FZ09. And right before they went to the MT09, the XSR came out and fixed it. And so they're using the XSR suspension on the uh, the new MT09. Um, so we got to ride that. He said it's really good. Uh, he said it was comfortable seating position, though it had a really hard seat. And I think everybody says that about stock seats. They feel like you're Especially riding Japanese yeah, bikes. You're riding on a two by four with padding on it. Even his Goldwing isn't very great. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, and, and his Goldwing. We won't let the cat out of the bag yet. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a Goldwing rider in the studio tonight. Uh, so the XSR has three riding modes. He kept it in A mode, uh, which was like the full power mode. And they actually did. 
Oh, sorry. That's a. I was getting confused with the Yamaha because I was thinking it was a four cylinder, not a triple. But yeah, it's, that's the, it's the nine hundred Cowie, so it's no. The, the this is Yamaha. Oh, so it's the triple then. Yeah. And so it's the FCO nine with the same ride modes. Basically, yeah. It's like it's like the FCO nine with a cooler body. Basically, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it has like a little bit more upright seating. Um, the A mode was a little twitchy on the throttle at low RPMs, but yes. smooth and responsive in the middle. And he likes the style. He said it reminds me. It reminds me of the original Ducati M nine hundred Monster, which another modern classic that got the retro look right. You know, Ducati has done a real good job uh, with the with the monsters. The next ride was the Star Eluder, which is a brand new for twenty nineteen. And it's the they have the Eluder and the uh, Extruder. <laughs> I forget what the other one's called, but um, they're the new touring. They got rid of the Star Line. They got rid of all the cruisers and the, mm, yeah. the Raider and Striker and every every cruiser and tour they had. And they right now they have the V Star two hundred and fifty and then the Eluders, like these huge huge bikes. And um, they're air cooled V twins still. Um, they have kind of uh, interesting looking styling, but he says it's a low bagger. Um, the seat was wide and comfortable. I'm guessing like a saddle style seat. Uh, the rear suspension didn't soak up the bumps like I would expect of a touring bike, and the instrument cluster rattled around a bunch when I hit small bumps. And he hmm. says it might be because it was a demo bike, but it still only had about three thousand miles on it. But I guarantee, probably people are wheeling them and jumping them. And I, a lot of times, demo rides are in a line with control riders too yeah. so yeah but these. if they you know those are the same bikes the magazines get and stuff like that yeah if it's a press fleet then it might have been through yeah. some they might have taken it over speed bumps and tried yeah. to try to like test the suspension yeah you never know <laughs> yeah but he said it has a heel toe shift which he couldn't get used to um but then again he, he owns nothing but vfrs and off-road bikes yeah so. everyone i know that's gotten <laughs> a bike with that loves it but they said it just you you got to get used to it yeah, and he says the, the shift indicator acted weird. It kept blanking out and showing different gears while accelerating and braking. So he doesn't know if there was an auto shifter function or if it was a glitch. But to me, it hmm. sounds like if it was showing different gears when you're accelerating, maybe the sensor, whatever the sensor might be, wiggling. yeah, wiggling back and forth. Um, I, I used to have a Volkswagen Bug, and if you got in the brakes hard and in the left hand corner, the fuel would show empty. You know, that was my autocross bug. Yeah. And then if you got in a right-hand corner on the gas, it would show full, depending, you know. So I didn't have a racing fuel cell in there, so it was the uh, the stock ones. Yeah, can they can get uh, kind of messed around if they're, if it's especially if it's not tight or something. So he said for a big V-twin, it didn't seem to lug down low, and it kind of, he bounced off the rev limiter when he was um, taken off from a stop. So it sounds like it's got a super close ratio transmission, which is kind of weird for a big old twin, you know? When I know the Goldwing, like, because it's meant for old people <laughs> and it's meant to be a low maintenance bike, like, they're not focused on performance. So they set the rev limiter low. Yeah. Because that's a hard on maintenance when you turn them hard all the time. So, right. Well, he says it. The final styling of that bike, he liked the XSR and like the shape, the feel, and the ride of that. The twitchy, twitchy throttle is Yamaha's uh, YCCT, which is the Yamaha chip controlled throttle, and it's based on they have an IMU and all sorts of crazy stuff that's supposed to smooth that out. But I can see how it could be twitchy in sport mode. But the Eluder, he says, it, it seems like a uh, like an early gen R1 because of the headlights got morbidly obese and had sex with the victory and popped popped out the yeah. eluder. 
Well, we talked about that bike when it came out. Like, I, I just, to me, Yamaha missed it putting an air-cooled V-twin in it. Yeah, and then it's got big fairings on the side, like the freaking... Uh, it's got Buell, what's that? What was the calf? The oh, yeah, the 1125CR. It's got these big old things that just blows air by it. You because know, it's styled cool. to me to go after the Goldwing ST1300 crowd. That that section of touring. Yeah, but then they put basically a Harley motor in it. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say. I think and they I'm tried like, to cross over the line by going yeah. after the street glide or road road glide crew, but also the fairing and everything kind of looks like. But we're not really. We're keeping with the BMW and and Honda, you know, yeah. styling. So yeah, it's it's uh, kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, that was that was test rides by uh, a couple of listeners, and um, hopefully get out and and buy one of these things. <laughs> Keep the motorcycle industry going. Just go buy a motorcycle. Yeah, go buy a motorcycle from the guy that just bought a car. <laughs> yeah. You, you you already own 15 motorcycles. You don't need another motorcycle. I didn't need another car, but, you know. Yeah, that too, yeah. You go buy another kid and, and uh, another wife, and then uh, call me. Let me know how I go. I can't afford what I have. <laughs> so uh, the last thing I have in the news, and everybody's, everybody's already talked about it because it happened this weekend, and by the time you hear this, it's already a week old, which is the kind of sucky part about recording in a time-space continuum where things don't come out to Friday, but... We got a dude named uh, Niccolo Finati. No, what the hell is that guy's name? Niccolo Finati and uh, Davido, Davilo Manzi. I forget their first names, but uh, basically Moto2 rider this weekend at uh, the Circuito Misano over there in the Philippines. <laughs> grabbed, grabbed a hand. Since I'm getting part of it wrong, I'll just get it all wrong. How's that? Uh, he grabbed a handful of brake. Um, Monzi ran him a little bit wide. They both went off track. And this Finati dude has had a history of actually having a bad temper, hitting people's kill switch in the past. Yeah, it's not the first incident. Yeah. And uh, and verbally abused. He got kicked out of the Volley 46 Academy for verbally abusing some of the crew chiefs and other people there. So it sounds like he's got anger management issues. He immediately said... I didn't act like a man, which is a very Italian thing to say, I guess. Uh, I didn't act like a responsible human being is probably what I would have said. But uh, he immediately apologized. His team fired him. And then the, the contract with MV Agusta that he was going to have for next year also made a press statement that said, uh, we don't support that type of writing or that type of attitude. When it's just not, like you said, it's not the first time. Yeah. Well, and so, then the very next day, they rescinded or they revoked his racing license altogether, I think. And yeah. ban- they were going to ban him for two races. And then they're like, well, let's just ban him for life. Cal Crutchlow was all upset about it and said they should never let him buy a motorcycle. I, I and, think that's the one I rode. Yeah. yeah. I read. You so wrote they it. should never let him ride, race a motorcycle again. Yeah. And I. Do you agree or not agree? I this guy would make the perfect NASCAR driver because in NASCAR, um, right? Or flat tracker, but Kenny Coolbeth will punch him in the head, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> separate story. Listen, it was, but what, this guy would be a good motocrosser, like Weston Pike. Remember when he was punching him and I forget who the hell he was beating up there. He yeah, those up. dudes get ruthless and throw <laughs> people in the hay bales. Like sometimes they deserve to get punched, but. I don't know. You know, to me, if he would have got back to the pit and handed his bike off and walked over to the other guy's pit and picked a fight, you know, you should not go to someone else's pit unless you're expecting to get your ass kicked. But I, I don't know. 
that's, uh, that's it, different but don't, than yeah, it's not don't grab a guy's brake lever yeah. when you're doing 130 mile an hour or whatever yeah. but and, i mean suspending the rest of the year definitely he lost his contract anyway um so i don't i wouldn't ban him for life you know i mean would you take away his regular driving? And most of these guys don't drive on the. Is street. he even old enough to drive on the street? Yeah, I think he's like twenty two or twenty four. Okay. You never he's know. Old, you never know with some of those GP kids. Man. I know. You never know. That's the other thing is that he's old enough to know better though too. You oh, know for uh, twenty two or something like that isn't really. I mean, he's still young. But is it professional? Absolutely not. But racing is such a adrenaline filled sport. Sometimes you need to get in a fight. But <laughs> you need to get in a fight, but you don't need to. Hit yeah, yeah. Brake I, lever. I don't agree with grabbing the brake lever. I do agree he needs fined. He needs suspended a couple rounds. He did lose his ride from his sponsor for next year. Um, would I pull his racing license? I would maybe make him go through a reapplication process. Yeah. And I would make him go to anger management classes or something of that sort. But would I ban him for life? No. Could you see him in Moto GP? Because he was Moto Two in GP, where guys are banging into each other and falling, and it's part of the drama. It's part of the soap opera of GP, and those guys aren't hitting each other's brake lever. I mean, dude, well, and that's part of it too. Like with with Rossi and Marquez, they've done some dirty shit to each other, especially. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't break someone's brake lever, or they didn't grab someone's brake lever. There's ways to do it that is dirty. But it's still racing. Yeah. It's not safe. It's still dirty. But, I mean, honestly, at this point, let him keep a fucking race license. He's going to have to struggle so hard to get back anyway. He's going to have to prove that he is over that shit. Yeah. Because anyone that would give him any kind of money right now would be like – it would be a team with no money. They, They can't pay him very well. His equipment sucks. He'd have to go out and prove himself on that. And prove that he's not going to do stupid shit like grab a brake lever yeah. anymore. Well, I was going to say, what if he's even just more pissed off and then he has nothing to lose? So he just like flips out and ghost rides the whip into somebody. No, because right now he's already he, he's already past that point. So he's already lost his his ride. He's got no sponsorship. He's got, you know, he's out the rest of the year. So, I, you know, if he could find someone to give him any kind of ride next year, let him come back. Let him prove that he's not a hothead, whatever. Because anyone that signs him to is going to be like, dude, any little incident and yeah. we're dropping we're you. All, yeah, it's in the, the contract right here. Yeah. So, you know, he basically is on thin ice and doesn't have any chances left anyway. So if he if he can't control it now, then it, he would out himself. Yeah. So, and you know, I, like I said, we know that stuff's happened with this before. So I don't know how many times, I don't know how bad. One I saw was where he like kicked another rider. Um, it looked like after the checkered too, but whatever. Um, yeah. Well, you know, even this guy, Niccolo Canepa, I think it was, um, a couple of years ago, no, in 2013, I want to say, uh, was trying to teach a guy. I didn't know the whole story. I saw this on YouTube a couple of years ago. The guy did a front flip basically and broke his collarbone. And what happened was he was teaching somebody to ride and this other rider didn't realize that and was kind of like getting in a beef with him about it. And he was like trying to tell the guy, I don't think it was right what he did either, but he was trying to tell the guy like, dude, screw off. And he slowed down and the guy came up next to him and he hit the guy's arm and the guy freaked out and pulled the brake. The guy was already on the brakes and when he hit his arm, he just squeezed the brakes. So it looks like he hits the lever and the guy flips. But when I read the 
um, because he had to go to court for assault. He was going to get tried for either assault or attempted murder or something crazy like that. I think it was assault. And uh, he had to go to court and prove that he didn't try to, like, hurt this guy. And so it came out, like, on the affidavit and everything that he just hit his forearm and the guy was already on the brakes and squeezed the lever and flipped himself, basically. But, I mean, he had to go to court to prove that he didn't try to assault the guy. You know, he was going to go to do some time for a battery. The guy busted his collarbone, you know what I'm saying? And so this guy, who's already had a hot-headed thing like I, I mean i don't know it's, it's a good question i i probably would say i would say screw it buddy like you you're you're going down a, a a bad path go learn to do yoga and get in touch with yourself or something like just do something that's totally not any competition because you can't handle it and then after you rejuvenate yourself if you still like it maybe come back later you know what i'm saying but like i if i were like I would I would say not even like ban him for like a year in in my opinion just because if he's already had a history yeah. of this for a couple of years like screw him so uh, so that's that's my news uh, anything else exciting happening in the news as far as <laughs> as far as you go I, I did get a press release actually real quick before we we end the news from Lightning um, Lightning is going to be on this new show on PBS no I'm sorry on the Discovery Channel called. Mission Impossible, Project Impossible. Mm. Should I start this over and get it right? <laughs> I've never, I've never been accused of getting things exactly perfect. But it's going to be on the Discovery Channel. It's going to be called Project Impossible, and basically the show is going to talk about things that five years ago we wouldn't have thought could happen. So they're going to have like that crazy halide collider on there, um, the Hyperloop, the fusion reactor. And lightning motorcycles. So there, uh, it's going to start at uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 Eastern Standard Time on Directv, and then uh, again 8 Pacific and 11 on uh, on cable. So it's going to it's going to be uh, the show will be aired around the world. So check your local listings for the schedule. But basically, it says Project Impossible is an all new original series that follows a new generation of epic engineering products that were considered unthinkable just a few years ago. And each episode is a deep look into the ambitious projects that are transforming our world, and they highlight the people, tools, and technological breakthroughs critical to their success. So definitely Lightning Motorcycles is one brand that we've talked about that we hope they, uh, they get their ass in gear and become one of the major players here. Now that Harley now that Harley's going in t- 2020, man, Honda's got to come out with that friggin' Shinden. Lightning's got to put something out. Indians got to drop that victory and Bramo technology. I'm, uh, this next five years, I think, is going to be nuts. You I think know it's saying? good for Harley right now that they're kind of um, ahead of the curve. Yeah, you know, like they're there. Uh, here's no one I, else is really pushing electric as far as a major player. Yeah, you know it's companies like Lightning and do they even have a street legal one yet? They don't have a street legal one yet. Um and the one they have is like a bajillion dollars like the yeah. Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> like a priced out of everyone's um Hell, the only like, real one zero and you know we've talked about yeah. them like And some of that stuff I feel like is priced out of people's I do if too. you're trying to get into motorcycling it's already priced out of your They just look cheap but they're expensive. they're 15 <laughs> yeah. they're 15 grand like Make it sixteen grand, but make it look good. Yeah. Like make it look like it's worth it. Yeah, and uh, the impulses were like right around there, and then all of a sudden, and I get it. I mean, the Tesla cars are expensive. Yeah, even the cheap ones, almost forty. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's crazy thinking about like 
how much stuff costs. But but look at gasoline cars when they started. Yeah, that's true. So it I was around it when they started, <laughs> and it was uh, they were only six hundred and fifty dollars. But back then, for inflation, yeah, you're right. But it, it takes like 40, those companies to push it to make it accessible for everyone. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it, you know, it's like I said, it's going to happen. For it's like sure. a cell phone. It's like we've talked about it before. It's like a cell phone or a computer, though. Like yeah. Once they start coming out, and there's a ton of them, like it'll be great. It'll be awesome for the used market because if you buy like a couple generation old zero, you'll be able to upgrade the battery technology to some of the newer batteries. If you go, if you start going back further than that, when they were just throwing stuff together with what they had, and they didn't have technology or a like a uh, electronics package yet, then it's going to be troublesome. Because uh, you're, you're going to be stuck with what they had that year for for that until they de- until they made development. So um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to try and check out that show too and uh, see if it's as cool as it sounds. So I'm, I'm interested in all that. It would be cool, and it's cool stuff. to see that they got on something like that. Although again, it's a bummer that they don't really have anything street legal. But they're <laughs> yeah. gonna, they're the ones like on the show presenting. Like yeah, like look at what and we can do. We and, can't really sell it to you, but. Yeah. And they're one of the most badass ones, but they really are uh, just not available. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's our news. Uh, let's get into a second segment of the show here. I'm going to take a little quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, this is patron Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions. I'm currently coming at you from Tokyo and you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast probably because you ran out of all the other podcasts to listen to and you really dig motorcycle haiku later all right and we're back (laughs) so exciting turn the brakes here (laughs) uh and thank you all of our patrons if you'd like to become a patron go check out uh www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing and uh, go over there. We're going to have some pretty cool stuff. Spooky Spokes is coming up, so get your submissions in for that. That's our annual Fright Fest. Send in your scary ride stories. Did a ghost take over your motorcycle? Are you a ghost? Are you riding a motorcycle and you think you're still alive? Um, Did something scary chase you through the woods of Ohio or Wisconsin or wherever the hell you're living? Indiana. yeah, let us know. Submit it to Spooky Spokes. And all you patrons out there, you already get entered into a chance to win something really cool, really spooky. It's going to be a pair of Wiggins Dirty Socks. All right, let's get back into the show. Uh, we so, could make them special. They could be dirty race socks. They're dirty happy socks. I'm not sure uh, what you mean by happy socks. Well, because you raced and you won in them. Oh, okay. Don't you have a pair of socks that you won in? I don't. I'm sure I do, but I don't know what's what. I'll send you a pair of my happy socks, but you don't want those. I don't want to know what yours are. <laughs> yeah. All right, so hey, in the studio tonight, we have a special guest. Um, I'm going to let Wiggins, Wiggins 2, introduce our special guest. Take it away, Wiggs. So I'm trying to figure out like a real witty way to do this. I have in the studio, <laughs> I guess the reason I ride motorcycles, really, right? Pretty much. Um, the reason you walk this earth. And that, actually, yeah. So my dad's in town. And I was like, this could be a fun interview. <laughs> so let's see if I can screw this up. So we thought, I didn't even, did I even tell you before? I was just like, hey, I got a guest. And you're like, okay. You just trust me that much. I didn't even have to say who. I thought it was Brownie. Oh, well, sorry to disappoint. 
Now I feel like I let you down. Um, so, yeah. So my dad's in the studio. Um, he's been riding motorcycles, I think, a long time. Longer than I have. A couple of years at least. Yeah, a couple of years. Got a few miles on a couple. So I think I'll start. So what I felt was like funny too. I'm like, I kind of know some of it, but then I don't know some of it. Let's get to know your dad a little bit. So this is a good time for you to bond with your dad finally. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a, it's just years, a therapy session. After all these yeah, years, you, get, you guys so, should know a little bit about each other. Come on, let's I hear know, it. I know, right? So I'm going to go all like cheesy, regular interview style, and I have some questions. So what was your first um, motorcycle? My first motorcycle was the little blue mini bike that sits in your grandfather's barn. The step through? No, no. There's a mini bike made on a bicycle frame with a washing machine motor on it, painted baby blue. Dang, that's oh. old school. That's a rad. Yeah. That bastard speed wobble, too, if you yanked the governor open. <laughs> That sounds like somebody was trying to kill you on that thing. Yeah, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first speed wobble crash. So, yeah, so that I didn't know that either because, so I guess, yeah, Grandpa sort of rode before you were born because he, he had, had, a, a, he had a Harley. flathead Harley. Yeah. And then did he kind of continue to ride after that? The earliest I can remember, when we lived in Clinton, he did not have a motorcycle. Okay. He had sold all of his stuff to pay bills, which was probably for me. And <laughs> and uh, now he had an old truck that he drove. That was his driver. And then we had a good car, and he had his truck. But there was no no motorcycle. And then he made the little blue mini bike. I had a little Springer front end, like an old Schroen Springer, and it was a bicycle frame that he cut and welded and put it a, a wash machine motor on, and yeah, had dual dual exhaust. <laughs> it was tits. So hey, where did you guys get a gas washing machine at? Back in the old days, that's what they were was gas wash machine me. motors. What the hell? Yeah, see, you ain't old enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, Youngster. we we, wa- we washed our clothes on a rock. I mean, uh-huh. until and then electricity came down the pipe, and we're like, no, "Hey, ga- gas, uh, gasoline, force machine motors were a thing back in the day." Holy shit! So, can you imagine too, like two strokes doing laundry? <laughs> I got the Briggs and Stratton just out there on the governor, just spinning the washing machine yeah. over. What the hell? What uh, in the laundry? Like, there's probably a laundry room inside, right? So it's yeah. just. Did you have to? Did you run exhaust out the house or? I, no, we didn't. We didn't have it on. I don't remember it being on a washing machine. Oh, okay. but that's what it was. Huh. Well, yeah, he says, you know, that's a washing machine, old washing machine motor. Huh. Whether you know his mom and dad had them, I have yeah. no idea. Were they crazy? Because maybe that would explain. Oh, we're all crazy. Yeah, that so, would explain a lot. Little CO two uh, recycling back yeah. in the house. So then, when you started that, did he have anything that he rode? No. Okay. We and then. You know, you've got the commercial. You meet the nicest people on a Honda, and they had, you know, my mom had a little white Honda step through. My dad had a little Sport 50. and Did they buy those new? No. They but, were all But they used. were still around that time? Yeah, 62, okay. 64. I was born 55. So this was, you know, 60, probably we was out in the country. I was seven or eight. You know, I can remember riding on them. And a little, like, um... To explain that, I think, too. So, and even when I was a kid, my grandparents had step through 70s. 
Yeah. They were a three-speed with a hand clutch, and they had the no, big no. wheels. Automatic. Were they the CT-70? Yeah, CT-70. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were an automatic. Shows how much I remember about them. They yeah. still have them. Um, but they were the... Modern version of the old Honda 50s. But they weren't... How do I want to... For, like, some old people that lived in the country, they were kind of... Not really, like, hippies, but... My grandma, like, they still shop at Goodwill, but they, like, when I was a kid, they had the Dodge Omni, and then they had Ford Escorts, and then they had Ford Focuses. They've always... That sounds like somebody that grew up during the Depression. Yes. And that they definitely did, too, Their for sure. Their did, and they were born. But still, a lot of that generation, though, grew out of that really quick. So, and a lot of that generation still, I feel like, they do a lot of stuff on their own, and they save a lot of money, but they were never into driving small cars, and that was, you know, especially the American market. That's why the Dodge Omni kind of failed because it was like the first like hatch, you know, in the states. Yeah. Um, Grandma and Grandpa Wiggins never drove a small car, and they did grow up during the. Yeah, yeah. They had a big old. I mean, deuce and a quarter. Grandma had a deuce and a quarter, and Grandpa had to have an F one fifty with a three fifty one, oh, not man. a three hundred two. Nope. We're talking the the real F one fifty, like yeah, the awesome F. Was it even in a one fifty or was it an F one hundred then? No, he, Grandpa wouldn't have. He wanted F one fifty because it was heavy duty. Yeah, and I I remember to this day he's out there driving. I said, Grandpa, your tires are getting bald on a truck. You're going to buy some. He did. They come on the new truck he bought. <laughs> but he worked hard all of his life, you know, and he worked in a coal mine and was an electrician and and. Uh, yeah, he ordered. He went to the local Ford dealer and says, "Call me when you get a F one fifty with a three fifty one in." And they called him up. Says, "We got one." He opens the hood. Says, five oh He said, "What's that five O stuff? What's that mean?" He said, "Well, it's a three o two." Close the hood. He said, "Call me when you get a three fifty one." The guy said, "You don't need a three fifty one." He said, "I'm buying. Yeah. I want an F one fifty with a three fifty one." And they called him a couple weeks, and we got an F one fifty in with a three fifty one. He needed a three fifty one. And see, my grandpa's always been different. Like he's got a sixty five Impala, bought off the showroom floor, Sport still coat, has five thousand miles, but it's the inline six. He's always been into for the old classic cars more the lowrider stuff. Like my hmm. Plymouth is the inline six, which that may have been all that was in that car at the time. But the Impala could have got an SS. Yeah. And I don't know the price difference. I don't know what the inline six cost. The SS was like thirty five hundred bucks or something. Yeah. <laughs> but in sixty five, that's also a lot of money. Yeah. But so, he, but in his defense, he just walked into Chevrolet and they had it, and he said, "I want that one." But he's always, to my knowledge, he's always liked the inline six style cars. Yeah, he doesn't buy extravagant. it. Well, and he doesn't like hot rods. He doesn't like fast cars. He likes slow and slow. Mm-hmm. So that's a grandma used to drive mine because my mom, his grandmother, drove mine. She says, Because when I stomp it, it goes somewhere. <laughs> so they had little Honda 50s, like or 70s. Like even when I was a little kid, they still had them. Who knows how many? Well, I'd say how many miles they had them for years, but they would ride them a mile or Just two out a day. Just the country. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, yeah. You know, and my family, yeah, you don't want to walk uh, down the creek to someone's house if you could ride. Right yeah. down there, you know. Well, mom, mom, and the lady that quilted both bought Honda seventies, and my dad built him a shop, so they bought him one. And they would go riding. There was a Dairy Queen. It's not called Dairy Queen, uh, but it's an like ice cream place out in the country. Freeze. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they would ride, you know. And it's like 
three or four or five miles, you know, and that's, you know, or they would go to Rosedale, Indiana and have lunch. Well, that's another whopping four or five miles. You know, a Honda 70, you don't get out and run down the highway. Yeah. Because it just runs this poor little heart out, and then yeah. they won't run but about 55 anyway. Yeah. Oh, so, I, yeah, I've ridden, my, my friend had one, and I, that was my ride when I went to visit him, and they were on CB750s, and I was on that, and since it was just around town, it didn't matter, but yeah. Yeah. So fine. what, um... He actually took it to Daytona a couple times on a motorhome, and then he'd run around, <laughs> yeah, run around all the town. bike stuff because you can get through traffic with it. Yeah. So, hey, but I want to take a step backwards, or I don't know if this is going backwards or jumping forward. From what I understand, he's got quite the formidable collection of oh, vehicles. Yeah. I actually think you help buy a lot of that. Well, if I would find a motorcycle at a yard sale, a flea market, alongside the road, I'd just, like, latch onto it and run up there and drop it off. And uh, he's got a lot. He's got uh, some very nice motorcycles. Not a whole lot of them worth a whole lot of money because he never spent a whole lot of money on them. Now, he'd give decent money for the Benelli's, and he's got a Wankel-powered Suzuki that is damn near showroom new. And... uh, I know he's got a twin cylinder Benelli. Is he got a? I think he's got a four cylinder Benelli. The I thought they were both twins, but there's a six fifty or seven fifty twin with thirty three miles. <laughs> but he bought them as a package deal at a dealership, and one's a sixty nine, I think, and one's a seventy, and he bought them in like seventy two. The dealership yeah. still had them, or maybe a couple of years later. Yeah, so they they went were in with cash. Not, they not were selling. Sit- yeah, yeah, and he dickered for a long time, and the guy finally sold them to him. So a lot of weird stuff like that. Yeah. Um, nothing super valuable. Um, CBX is the CBX valuable. is probably about the only one. Yeah, and it's a '79 original paint, but it has the pink top of the tank, like they all did. The fade. And it's got some dings, like from the forks, but uh, way back when I had a. Pretty the, decent CBX. I bought a set of CBX pipes that had like 19 miles on them. So they're <laughs> on that. And I said, you know, hell, the damn exhaust pipes are worth more than the rest of them. But, you know, CBXs yeah. are bringing, uh, I'd oh, say that CBX is worth 15, 20,000. I mean, it's got. I don't know how many miles are on that. 500 miles. Because yeah. he actually rode that one a decent amount. Um, when I was little, he had that, and he had a '79 Goldwing or '78 mm-hmm. Goldwing, but so, he sold that. So, what was the reasoning behind getting all these? Uh, he likes to collect, yeah, stuff, okay. and he doesn't okay. like to ride or drive that stuff. It, it's, it's very rare, it. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he'll ride it. You know, we the big thing when he was small, my daughter was small. We would ride to go to grandpa's and. He would ride with Grandpa, and my daughter would ride with me, and we'd go in donut shop. That was a major Saturday or Sunday morning. And some of that was on the CBX, and some was on the Goldwing. But again, that was a 10 or 15-mile round trip. Yeah, it, probably 20-mile round trip. Yeah. Just 11, but 12, he, but, and when we were doing that, the CBX wasn't old, because that would have been early and mid-80s, too. Yeah. So the CBX wasn't really a classic, but he's always been the type to – shine stuff more than he rides stuff yeah and he never really to my knowledge and we never really rode anything hard his old his old 750 he did oh he he bought it where i get it from this guy where like everything you got to see what it'll do (laughs) so 
<laughs> he he bought a uh, Sandcast 750 off a guy. All right. And he sold that, and he hates himself for it. But I left home. We got in a big fight when I was 18, so I left home, and I had a 71 750 Honda, and he could always dust me Yeah. until I learned a little bit about tuning. I thought I knew a lot more than I did, but I did know how to drop one on the front and had a header on it, and I smoked his doors one day, and he just looked at me. <laughs> Let's try that again. I don't matter, Dad. It's the same thing's going to happen. So... um did that come from your grandma? From grandma, you think? Maybe from your mom. She wanted. I remember being ten or twelve years old, and I was in what became my first car. It was a ninety-one Escort station wagon with a stick. They drove a stick up until, yeah, they got a Focus, and I don't think the f- they couldn't find one of the stick. And that would have been two thousand, early two thousands. But for them, they I were not the Focus was a stick. First one might have been, yeah. But I remember somewhere. The HHT, HHR. One of the focuses is an automatic, too. But they... um, It was an automatic. We had to to cross the street, and Grandma had to punch it, and she smoked, like, didn't smoke, squealed the tires on the front of the Escort station wagon. Yeah. And I remember being like, what? Because Grandpa, he's always driven so slow that, to me, it's been dangerous. Oh, okay. And the older he got, the more dangerous. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, 60 and a 65, where semis are doing 70 and 75. Yeah. Uh, my wife's gran- uh, grandpa is like that. She's scared to drive with them because it's yeah. painfully slow. And painfully. Like, but see, yeah. when my dad was young, he wasn't that way. Yeah. We lived out in the country, and, you know, say Thursday was grocery day. He got paid on Wednesday. Thursday was grocery. Have a foot of snow on the ground. We're going to the grocery store. It's like, Dad, we can wait till tomorrow. Nope, today's grocery. Well, now he's like, he won't drive at night. He won't drive, you know. Well, and that's, but I, my childhood stuff of him driving that slow, he wasn't. That old yet he would, but he would have been. He'd have been your age. He'd have been sixty-five or so. He got responsible when grandkids came around. No, no, he just uh, and he didn't believe in abusing a motor. Whereas, well, that's what it sounds like. Is that he? He has all these. He didn't ride them hard. He didn't have a lot of miles on them. Or yeah, and that's just so much of that stuff is. Oh no! If it's raining or whatever, and that so I don't know. So what? um, We can interview him another time. So what You're going actually? To him. You're going to, have to make it quick. <laughs> what actually got you like hooked on motorcycles? Then you think it was that first mini bike, or was there something else that kind of came along, or was there a steady stream of bikes after that? So it kind of blends together. Well, there was a steady stream of bikes. I had the mini bike, which was I don't know if it was ever technically mine, but I rode it. And then they bought me a vicious moped for Christmas one year, so I promptly rode it to the end of the driveway and crashed it in the ice. <laughs> and then, you know, I started working when I was very young, so I bought the Honda Sport 50 and then a 350 and then a 750. And, you know, it's just, I, you know, I pretty well had motorcycles pretty steady until you were born. And then... uh Kind of laid out for a while. Uh, I bought him a three-wheeler when he was two years and two months old. Oh, you brought you bought him a three-wheeler in air quotes. <laughs> oh, no, a Honda 70, which is still laying around somewhere. And then I was going to buy a 350X Honda, and uh, his lovely mother told me I wasn't, but I got it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then we kind of did the off-road deal. I had some off-road bikes for a while. and So then, even... Well, I guess maybe that's... So there's not any definite time that I just... You know, motorcycles... Another thing is motorcycles were cheap to go fast. Yeah. Well, that's definitely, I think, a lot of what kind of got me hooked to start with. Um, And easier to work on. 
Well, you can buy a well, you can buy what a nine second motorcycle now for nine second quarter. Yeah, yeah, nine second quarter. I was like, for shit, my Harley ran under that in an eighth. Ten, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. In, what does it take to get a nine second car? Yeah. I mean, you can get a CBR thousand new for what fifteen. They got 160, 170 horse at the ground. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, you're talking uh, some of the BMWs and stuff, and the Kawasaki's are putting out 198. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the 200, R, 200 yeah. is like the new, yeah, yeah for 15,000 yeah. bucks. And, and everything's electronically limited, you oh, know. Yeah. Even, so, my, even my gold wing. Oh, yeah. So, um, at 112, that sucks. <laughs> Grandpa never raced anything, though. Not. Grandpa raced two things. That was later. He, right? When I raced dirt track, he used to tell me what I should do. So I finally told him, hey, Dad, you know, your ass, okay. will, your ass will fit in that seat. So then. And he drove my CBX at the drag strip one day. That was funny. We all laughed. <laughs> he, so put then, a, he put a guy out and first round and he felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So but what? It, he, he wasn't that good. So he um, says, man, I put that guy out. And the guy red lighted. The guy put himself out. So. What actually got you into racing then, or what was like your first race? Um, and ironically, I thought about this too. Um, ironically, I think my first actual real motorcycle race was flat track. And I was so fucking horrible at it, I never did it again until this hooligan shit. Did your dad. Tell you, you probably should never do this. Hey, Fanati. No, I knew no, when my- I got lapped by everyone on the track, I should never do my, that. My little cousin. Uh, and he uh, got pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, DTX kind of made a comeback uh, or, or kind of got started around Terre Haute from the Honda shop. There was a couple guys there. And uh, my little cousin. Hey, explain to everybody what DTX means. So DTX is what has morphed into the 450 class. It was dirt track. Motocross, I think, is DTX. Yeah. What it stood yeah. for, right? You, you and it could was, uh, change the shocks, handlebars, tires. It was meant to be a cheap class when the road taxes were big, but at the time there was no 450. It was all two CR 250 two strokes and stuff. So you, but you did you set your dirt bike up for flat track? Yeah, and then. Um, his cousin set up an air-cooled CR250. Yeah. My little cousin was talking about buying a Kawasaki, and I said, I got a CR250 down here. And so we scrounged all the parts, and he put it together and uh, put some 125 shocks on it off of something and basically took it racing and was doing pretty good. And then when everybody got faster, I had a rain tire that I picked up from Mid-America, and I give that to him what promptly washed the front end out, so he had to buy a dirt track tire. Uh, actually, Uncle Lewis, his dad, bought him a dirt track tire, and that's where he kind of got, you know, we'd go watch him race. It was a big family deal. Tig's racing, so we all. And wait, what, how old How old was Wiggs, too? Shit. Ten? Eight? It was before I was driving modified midgets, so around eight or ten. Yeah. yeah. And he, it's funny, I rode that bike a couple years ago, still couldn't figure the it CRF? out. The CRF? CR. Oh, okay. Still CR. couldn't figure that fucking 80, thing. 1980. 79. 79. It, it's just a, it's an on-off switch with shitty suspension. Yeah. I don't know what the hell he did. Yeah, those. So what actually got you started, or what was your first race then? Drag racing. But uh, as far as racing motorcycles, Mike Piercy wanted to road race. And uh, that's when CBXs were fast and handled 
worse than my Goldwing. And we drove over. We used to run up and down the roads at way you're too gonna fast. Give us, you're going to spoil question number four right now. Okay. So we went to uh, uh, <laughs> Indianapolis Raceway Park. They got a road course. And I wasn't going to race. I just so, I just went over for support. At this time, had you ever raced any like? Because you had told me you had done like a hare and hound. Or oh um, God, I was real small with that. I mean, I was I was away from home. I drove Kawasaki one seventy five, and I went down there, and you know, I buried it in a creek and filled it full of water, and that was the end of that one. But it was still fun. I mean, it was just like you know, okay. Those Kawasaki one seventy fives are awesome, by the way. Those, the OKE. Oh my or, God. The carburetor on the side, the rotary valve, that's yeah. how it was antique. But yeah. so was, you know, that was 76, yeah. 8, maybe. I seven, think that was no. my wife's, her dad's first bike was one of those 175. Yeah. So now, so, do we get to the road race question? No, not yet. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> because to my knowledge, you never really did much off road stuff. No. Okay. Just so. played. I mean, you know, we'd go out, had an Odyssey. That was a no suspension. That's, <laughs> you should, that's hey, probably one of the reasons. You should I see like surgery. fifteen people racing minivans. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong Odyssey for listeners who don't know. The the, the UTV market was started in the late seventies by Honda with what they call an Odyssey. Yeah, the Odyssey. I think the suspension on that was the balloon tires, right? I mean, on yeah, the back, yeah. it had J arms on the front. Oh god, those things. Which are if awful. you if you beat them very hard, you like turned your J arms up. So we had to make <laughs> braces and yeah, because it, it. When I went off road riding, and I, I mean this, and all of a sudden somebody says, "How how do you go?" And I said, "Well, one idiot takes off, and the other idiots follow him." And they said, "Well, where are you?" And I said, "I'm normally one of the top three idiots." So it's, it's, you know, and he basically rode the same way. Once you got off road, you just, you know, you take your buddies and you go out and you have a good time and you're being stupid as hell, but it's fun. So, and we used to go every weekend, you know, we, when I had a three wheeler and, and that, that, we rode the Odysseys all the time too. I remember rolling that bastard over frontwards. Boy, that hurt. <laughs> Big balloon tires. Yeah. Got to bouncing. And oh, yeah. The, they had a roll cage on it, but man, did it hit hard. There ain't no suspension on that cage. Yeah, no. But so then, the- then we started uh, Odyssey Racing, which was actually the forefront of the modified Bendits. I think that was before I was born, too. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, it's before my Yeah, memory. no, it was before because I raced Odysseys before I raced stock cars, and you were born when I raced stock cars. Okay, so you raced some Odysseys, and then you got into racing stock cars. Your, what, your spine couldn't take it anymore, right? I mean, they were... Uh, it just kind of died off. I mean, <laughs> it was, we had a couple of... Uh, we had a guy in Terre Haute. Shit, I can't think of his name, but he was Kawasaki, uh, Yama Suzuki dealer. I'll get it right in a minute. And uh, he belonged to Weir Road Racing, and he put on, we had a Weir Road Race in Terre Haute at one time, and we had some winter festivals. And uh, I won a couple, win- or a winter festival, and then we had some little oval tracks. And we actually, his mom raced a little bit until she drove it through a fence <laughs> So and hurt her leg, and then that was it. But uh, we kind of got away from that, and... Uh, then Dirk James is his name. That uh, he they had the race when they used to have the race across America and there was no speed limits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He got enough tickets, lose his license, one trip across. But he was fast, but unfortunately, the officers didn't care for that. 
So he got three or four tickets in like his stand on the saddle, and it wasn't very long. But uh, he put on a road race in Terre Haute, and that's where I seen the CBX. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to buy a road race in Terre Haute. In Terre Haute, Fairbanks Park. Wow. When was the train it, uh... came through, they had to stop it. <laughs> so it was through the town. It was like a GP sort of like old style through the town. <clears> well, now the, chain, the train doesn't actually cut through the park anymore, does it? No. And it didn't cut through the park. It just went down the road, but they were afraid of somebody falling, sliding under the train. Oh, yeah. That would suck. That's some 70s and 80s shit yeah. right there. We can't do that anymore. No. You know, the straightaway, right down by the train track, and then you turn and went through the uh, Fairbanks Park down there on the river. Wow. They closed the YMC up and all that. You know how many parks I've wanted to ride through? Like, how many parks I've wanted to race, like, around oh, here? Man, like, right? And it was a big deal. I mean, you the know. Arboretum. For, Have you been to so Arboretum? I've the been to Huntington Gardens, not the Arboretum. Say, okay, though. another yeah. great. That would be an, yeah. another fun race. So, you guys so your Odyssey's and then into stock cars a little bit. And I, I think I know how the stock car stuff kind of started. Did you know? You knew Mike before that, right? Yes. And then that's how you got into stock cars. So, they were dirt stock cars. Correct. Uh, V8? Yeah. Okay. So for the listeners, just a... The grand, you didn't get Grandpa's inline six, uh, slant six no, uh, but, fetish? but <laughs> Grandpa drove a stock car one day. Oh, wow. But... That was uh, interesting. So just kind of like a economy version of sprint car late model racing. Um, yeah, factory frames, factory bodies. You could change shocks, springs, well, couldn't the, move. Well, the diffs maybe? And- yeah, well, the diff, cage, you know. Those are actually fun if you want to have some redneck fun because those dudes do beat on each other a lot. And I heard you say stock frame. Stock, so this is before unibody. This is like back- You could do a unibody, but the bad thing about having a unibody is if you had a horrendous crash, you oh, yeah, normally done. totaled the car. Yeah, yeah, you're done. Whereas the frames, how I got in, my junkyard buddy has a junkyard, and he also had a bulldozer and some stout chains, and we used to straighten frames pretty regular. <laughs> um. So, so okay, so road racing at Fairbanks Park in Terre Haute, and that's when you saw the CBX. Yeah. Um, so then you just kind of rode on the street for a while. Yeah. I had a Goldwing. So eighty five or six Goldwing. Okay. Aspen, so the, the no no the, that's okay. back when Goldwings were. Okay. Now it had a fairing on it, but it was all add on. Okay. Add on extras. Yeah. So the. Um, at what point around this? So this would have still been before you really worked on bikes then. I always worked on my own stuff because I couldn't afford to okay. pay anybody. Um, I had 750 down. I had more 750. It was kind of sucking hind tit with the Kawasaki's. And if you read the Honda manual, it said, do not operate in the red zone. It's detrimental. Like, well, it wasn't very big. You just got on the other side of it. <laughs> and, but I could I could pull the motor and change a valve in you know, a matter of hours. So, yeah, because the 750 would have been before the CBX. Yeah. Okay, so then CBX, street, and then you kind of hinted at it already. So was the Indianapolis Raceway Park race, was that your first road race? Yes. And Mike Piercy went over there to race, a good friend of mine. He got into all this with Dirk James, and they was going over there to race. Well, he kind of prepares last minute. So we got there, and there was no practice left. The guy said, if you want practice, just enter the four-hour endurance race. (laughs) Well, that's great. So he enters a four-hour endurance race, and I'm standing there with him, and they said, you have to have two drivers. Guess who else got entered? One pair of leathers. (laughs) Not enough gas cans. 
We went to town, filled up his car, filled up the gas can, filled up my CBX, had a siphon hose, and we changed leathers. When I had to siphon the gas out of the car, out of my bike, out of another guy's bike, and we ran a CBX for four hours on one set of leathers. We'd change, we'd pull in, they'd fuel the bike. Whoever was riding the bike would jump off, peel out of this. You ever tried to put sweaty leathers on? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> and uh, But me and him, that's back when I was still skinny, and me and him was about the same size. So we changed the leathers in the car, and we won our class, which was heavy production. So they there, was a, there was a write-up in uh, the weekly cycle newspaper and everything way back then. The story I heard, like you were – one guy would be sitting in the back seat of the car in a t-shirt and his underwear and socks. That, that's yeah. what, that was my yes. next question. You were ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Like once the guy came so in. the guy gets off, strips out, probably bottom half first because that's what's hard to get on. So then the guy waiting is sitting there squeezing into some sweaty leathers, <laughs> gets whatever boots on, grabs the top and puts on, and then goes out. And they win the heavy win. production class. So, but it's also cool because. And hooligan is obviously changing, but I think there are some things in place that will keep it um, relatively affordable. But I think it's a cool testament to what motorcycle racing was at the time that you could show up with street tires on a street bike and still go out and do well. There wasn't – With one set of leathers and two guys too. Like you just – it's so – cool that you guys pulled that off. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean think of it now. You're not even going to be – you're not even in the realm of a bike that's capable for less than 25, 30 grand. Well, see, we ran production, which means DOT tires. So we run uh, yeah, but our compound Dunlops is all we ran. But look at the production classes now. Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> but, they're, you're still, it's a production frame and a production motor and a production swing arm, and you got to run the stock wheels. And then they, the, you know, the R compound tires are slick with grooves in it, but then they spend how much money on suspension and they're not supposed to do much to the motor, but they do. And yeah, it just, the electronics packages on those things can be pretty pricey yeah. if you have to run a, like a spec electronics package and all that stuff too. Like, yeah. yeah. They spend money everywhere else. They, they, yeah. They spend money everywhere they can. Yeah. Oh, which well, is I'm really. Sure, I'm sure if you pulled those motors open too, you would see that they spent some money where you can't see it too, you know so. mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just to take a motor apart and go through it and be very careful and cut, you know, the cylinder down to specs because everything's a little bit tall. You know, everything's a little bit, you know, it, it's it's a time-consuming deal. And spec racing is great to a point, but there's always cheaters. and Yeah, really, the only reason we get away with it on the hooligan racing is the bikes are so big and heavy and we're on dirt. And no tires. Yeah, we're on dirt. So, and you can definitely spend more money on suspension and it helps. Um, and then there's a lot of things on like how your, ha- where your handlebars are and stuff like that that really help. But, you know, I go out and race with some pretty talented guys and keep up. Yeah. And it's like the bikes weigh so much and the tires so small um, that it, it's not. No one really has a huge advantage because they spend a lot of money. Yeah. What's that thing when you're falling you can't fall any fast terminal velocity you guys are at yeah. the terminal velocity of uh, which is what you know bike. when when we kind of started it i looked at so many different racing series and what to me made them fun what made them successful in terms of riders not in terms of like sponsorship stuff um you know i know we have like the wirr guys from wisconsin like the super street drag racing stuff 
I took a lot of influence from when we were first talking about what we should do because it was like, okay, you, you have to run a DOT tire, which now Mickey Thompson makes a tire. But for us, you know, we run flat track tires. Um, and there's really not a motor rule. So it was all about riding the bike. If you're yeah. spinning the tire for the total quarter, then it's all about traction. And some of the crazy shit Chris does, I'm kind of surprised they let him do a lot of it. Wiggins, that awesome stunt, <laughs> half stunt rider guy. <laughs> are you talking about a different Chris? The drag race. Oh yeah. Sing Sing time. Yeah. The other Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I think it's in the photo up there. His yeah. brake, he flips the bottom of his forks around. So the brakes are in front of the wheel. Oh yeah. So Anything it's more weight further forward. further forward. He's got behind his headlight is where his battery and everything and all his yeah. electronics are like, he's, he's a nut. I shouldn't be. Uh, oh my God. There's probably a hitman on the way now here. He's he, well, all the other top 10 guys are listening. Now they yeah. know his secrets. He plays around a lot. He, yeah. it's, he experiments where everybody else just tries to get their damn thing running. They spend so much time but blowing up clutches and yeah. trying to get replaced. Where a lot of, but a lot of that stuff too is he does it on his own and it's ingenuity. He's just kind of thinking like, oh man, okay. So he's, you know, I mean, he might be a talented fabricator, but it's like, oh, yeah, let's move a battery box and mount it up here type. And that was kind of the basis for a lot of hooligan stuff. But I, well, you know, and the, he's been, he's seen racing where they just throw money at it and it screws. Yeah. Well, it just, it's, yeah, I, I think Formula One is a great testament right now. How many cars are they even filling the grid anymore? I know for the last few years, they've had trouble filling the grid. Yeah, And, it, you know, it's so many millions and millions and millions of dollars to run, they can't even get a full grid out. Yeah. So, and MotoGP's had that problem too. Yeah, same way. So, I, you know, that was a lot of stuff where I'm like, okay, I get that, but how do we? Yeah. But for us, making it be at least a 750, making it be at least a twin, you know, it makes a good amount of power and honestly where we started in southern california we were running eighth mile and quarter mile dg tracks where an 883 will keep up so well, and when you first started he says what what did, what did you use to tape the headlights together i said use electrician's tape because duct tape goo really gets screwed yeah. your headlight up yeah yeah because they they had headlights and tail oh yeah yeah, yeah. But, some of them still do i mean some yeah. of the run what you run guys will still yeah. just bring out a street bike yeah yeah yeah, so, you know, that was a lot of our stuff up. and a lot of like growing up around that and seeing you motorcycle were, racing yeah. in the 70s and 80s, you, well, not seeing it in the 70s, but, you know, being around it in the 80s and seeing that kind of stuff, you know, I, I that was a lot of what I looked at to like, what should we do for this? You know, and I remember Suicide Machine Sean asked me one time, he's like, man, he goes, I don't, I need to rebuild my motor. And he's like, but I got this big one right here, like a 12... I, th- I thought it was just a 1250, but he said he had to like, it was a pain in the ass to get in and out of the bike. Cause it was actually stroke too. And I'm like, yeah, dude, run it. And he's like, you sure that's cool? And I'm like, you're the one that has to ride it. Like Costa Mesa speedway is no joke. A 10th mile dirt track. Yeah. Like you think you can get power down and he's like, Oh, good point. So that's why we've never had a motor rule, you know? Um, now with as big as it's getting in some of the tracks we're doing, yeah, like, like we're, Paris, the Speedway. When yeah. you went there, like, oh, I was. Or, or, I wasn't even out of the corner, not sliding out of the corner. wasn't even. I was three quarter of the way through the corner, and I was already wide open. Yeah, I mean that was a just that's a big. Tra- what is what is this? The, that's a half mile. Yeah, Paris it's a big on the car track. Is big, it's pretty quick, quick track. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're getting into some of that, and yeah, you're gonna see that 
anybody with the 883. There's somebody that has a blast that rides. Who is that that has a Buell blast? Or somebody has like a Buell something or other. Um, I swear there's a blast. A blaster and XB. Well, I think there's both, right? I think there, somebody has a There blast. was both, but technically for us, it needs to be a 750 twin. Okay. So when we first kind of started, because it was Harley night and that was it, there was not even a 750 thing. We were just taking street trackers to quote Harley night. So a couple guys had Buell We're just blast. taking anything because there was baggers and. Well, baggers are Harleys. Yeah, but, but you said street trackers. That's what I mean. There was well, we were like of, we were taking street yeah. trackers. So some of the guys in our little group had Buell blast. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we can. This will be fast. Um, so is there no more in the? No. Well, yeah. now the official thing um, is seven fifty or larger V twin. Yeah. The only bike. Um, at least V twin because you can put you, if you have a triple or a technically four. Roland's rules are V twin. Oh, okay. Although he's very selective on who has to follow rules and who doesn't, and some people follow rules and their bikes are still illegal. But he's got a guy that works for him building a triple. Because I've seen the and Yamaha. I bet it's allowed to race. I've seen the Yamaha Bolt V twin, but I also seen Joe Cop on a parallel twin Triumph. You well, it's know still a twin. A twin's oh, a twin. Oh, so a twin. A twin. So just yeah, a it doesn't twin. have to be a V twin. Oh, okay. My rules for my race are twin or more. Yeah, at least it, two. If a guy wants to show up on a CB750 yeah, and get fi- that smooth kick around that track, go for it, yeah. dude. Go we, for it. We've never officially talked about it, but there's several reasons why the Big Bang or the yeah. 270 works, and like that's a, why the XR and even the FTR was designed such a such a tight V. Yeah, and so. the, yeah, and and why a four banger or an inline four doesn't and I've really seen work. CB750, you know, trackers like legit flat trackers. There's a reason they are not really still around. And you think of I like. I wonder if the cross plane Yamaha, because of the way it fires, would work as a dirt It makes track way too play. much power. Well, uh, yeah, aside from but, the thousand. When I went to Sacramento, there was a guy on an R1, and he'd but, come out of turn four and he'd wheelie the whole straightaway. <laughs> and you think, like, so people's argument is going to be like, well, Kenny Robert was successful on the TZ750, but, uh, but not in the corners. TZ. Yeah, he felt like that the thing was going to kill. Two stroke triple? Yeah, that TZ. Two stroke quad. Oh, is it a four? Yeah, it was yeah. a road race bike. But and, and he also, and again that's only he also on a got, mile. He also got off of it and said Yamaha doesn't have enough money for me to ride. Yeah, it again. I mean he yeah he, he rode it again. Oh, uh, not he didn't race it again. <laughs> no, yeah. thirty years later he did like a little showman. He lap still got on it and just. But ripped. I'll tell you, he wasn't slow. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, so, I figured it was going to be like a parade lap. No, I don't, that, I don't. I don't know if you can go slow on it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, you could. He didn't though. He he zipped around there pretty good. Yeah. So we should get back on track, I think. Yeah, let's so, do it. What's <laughs> Larry, sometimes Larry will tie me on rants. So um, so the first like road race thing or like kind of real race that got you into it was the accidental endurance race. Um, what other motorcycles have you really raced? I know you had a 1100F for a while, but that was still road racing. Yeah. And then you got into motorcycle drag racing. CBX. Okay. But was that... So that was really it, just a little bit of off-road and then some road racing and then more drag racing. Um, And we already talked about that too, the stock cars. Street racing that wasn't entirely legal. Well, you know. Everybody does that. (laughs) That was my excuse. When I used to go do wheelies, we'd have cop show up and be like, someone called and said you boys were out here racing. And we go, no, sir, we weren't. And he'd go, all right, don't be racing. we're like, well, we're definitely not racing. And he'd go away. So we couldn't complain. And we weren't racing. We didn't even lie to him. I mean, I would have if I was racing. I would have been, no way, dude. But uh, we said no. So. No, sir. We were just wheeling. We were graffitiing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I, those are really about all my questions, I think. Um, I have a couple when you're done, but uh-oh. just let me know when you're done. I'm trying to think if I really have anything else. I mean, I don't know how much we've talked on it at the show. So around, so let's see, when I, I do remember, I know that there was road racing when I was born because I've seen pictures and I know what year the bike was. <laughs> but I actually remember some of the drag racing. I remember um, there was a primer gray CBX with no seat pan, or not no seat pan, no cushion on the seat. Yeah, um, that one was a stock frame with a narrow slick and a road race slick. Oh, it wasn't even a flat slick. No, still a vague memory. I was still like five or six. If that, I uh, I extended a swing arm four inches square tubing, and uh, went over to Mid Ohio and uh, asked him. I said, uh, "What do you guys do with all these tires?" He says, "For a road race event, by road the way. race event, my truck and a trailer." And he says, "Well, we throw them in a dump." And I said. Uh, any chance a guy could pick your dump? Oh, no, we can't allow you to pick that dump. The, the dump that's right down this road, and you turn right, and you go down there, and it, but we can't allow you back there. So I, I went back there and picked all the tires yeah. out, and guy comes back here with a trailer, and he says, it's a good thing I don't see you here. <laughs> and he just stacked the tires up on top so yeah. I could go through them. And, and uh, so I, I had everybody in Terre Haute on road race slicks, and uh, – I went to Muncie, used to race for a guy up there, and a guy says, uh, said, uh, why don't you run a Goodyear? And I said, well, I, you know, I like this, and it's cheap. And he says, well, what's your short time? And I said, 135. He said, son of a bitch, I'd buy a road race slick to get 135s. He was at 140s on his high-dollar Goodyear. <laughs> but it, it's not what you have. It's a combination that works. Right. And I had a CBX on methanol with a four-inch stretch and a homemade wheelie bar and a homemade wheel and yeah the wheel i think we have talked about that on the show to get so those were mostly 18 inch tires right were they okay well you say that the rain slick that was on the cr was an 18 it was not a rain slick but a road race yeah and i I think that was only one i had and funny sing probably remembers this with because i'm sure he did some of the super street stuff before they kind of revitalized it as the wi or top 10 um but before mickey thompson made a drag radial for the street all those guys were running road race takeoff dot r compounds yeah so i mean that's basically what he was doing was road race slicks instead of flat drag slicks but the the wheel i thought was interesting it was so it would have been a 17 inch hoop cut down the center and then goldwing oh were they 17s in there yeah, Goldwing made a 17-inch wheel, so I cut it down the middle and put it on a 16-inch rim and then put spokes on it on a 750 Honda. So it was just hoops, spoke hoops, so cut it in the middle. Oh, uh, yeah. Set it o- over the 16 on the outside, kind of on the bead, right? Welded it all the way around. <laughs> it was fun. I was talking to some— And it was true. Like, you trued fairly it? Fairly true. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it'd run, Barely. A, it'd run uh, it held a buck, the bead. It buck held 30 the bead. or 40 yeah. without shaking. I never ran a steering dampener on CBX. Never had to. I had guys with custom frames. They had twin steering dampeners. I said, your frame, well, it's been raked. I said, well, they didn't do a very good job, or you wouldn't have to have two steering dampeners. Because a steering dampener is a crutch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that, I mean, there's motorcycles, you know, the crotch rockets now, they're all so steep. Yeah, yeah. The CBX wasn't that steep, and I never had to. Made bone wheelie bars. Yeah, where did Mike? I'm curious where you where you extended the swing arm. Did you do it at the front or at the back? Like uh, where uh, two thirds of the way back. Okay, okay. I put struts on it. Took the seat off. Made a fiberglass copy of a tank. The fuel tank was actually exhaust pipe tubing. <laughs> 
Yeah, you pulled off like a fiberglass cover and it was just it a was little tubes, tube. Right. But I remember yeah. for some reason, I remember good for like one pass. Asking what? why so the seat pan was a piece of aluminum with like a ninety degree bend in it. Yeah. Curved to fit my butt. And then when I got real when it you had to have your butt back against that seat pan when you dropped the hammer because it would put a big right. bruise on well, your Well, but ass. I remember that too. I remember asking why there was no padding on it. And he said, Well, when you leave hard, if there's padding, you're going to compress the padding and it hurts. Yeah, there you go. Right. So he's like, I <laughs> you, just wedge in the back of it. I think I put padding on it at one time and took it off. I don't know. But you can't squish the padding, and yeah. then when you leave, it hits your yeah tailbone and hard, butt hard and, spots. And yeah. yeah, it'll leave a nice. I had a nice bruise on my ass one time. <laughs> well, and they don't. I mean, even like the VH drag bikes, it's that hard race foam stuff. I don't know if that was really that available then or. Yeah, no. You had to cut up a wetsuit back then. Uh, man, so that's that's awesome. That's that's old school race tech right there. I like that's a good uh, yeah. story. I like that. Yeah, I cut the springs down in the front end and had a little uh, CM four hundred wheel because it was eighteen inch. And on my trek to Mid Ohio, I picked up a small eighteen inch tire. So I love the I, welded wheels. That's pretty funny, dude. Yeah, yeah the little good. Comstar. See, and I never so yeah only had one disc. I gave an attempt at flat track when I lived in Indiana, but I never really raced motorcycles until I moved to California. Yeah. Um, but when I was eight or 10, about eight, he put me in a quarter midget, which had like a flat head Briggs in it. And then um, we did what that was, uh, for a few what years. What Deco. I don't know. It was small. It's like, like a five or eight horse motor. Oh, okay. They run okay. little Hondas now, but it's still like, you know, and they're, I mean, they're for kids are five years old you can get in them right right okay so they're pretty small and then um price of them went outrageous too yeah oh yeah everything i remember when karting was affordable and now it's like twenty thousand dollars to get into karting i remember when it was fifteen hundred we, well the thing is a good driver is gonna be a good driver anyway yeah. we, we used to go down and practice and people would tell me oh you're gonna wear the motor out it's like seven bucks to rebuild it <laughs> you know, i ran an air cleaner you but the reason i didn't buy a shifter cart when i had the chance real cheap was it was 50 bucks a tire and it was a 125 shifter and every time you took it out you went through at least a set of tires yeah, oh yeah i was like 200 bucks every time i go to the track just in tires is like i'm good um funny how that stuff nowadays you'd be like wow it's cheap <laughs> for some you know for some of that stuff well that wasn't i was not that i mean that was probably eight nine years ago really that i yeah. almost bought a cart i was racing supermoto at the time yeah and i was like shoot i'm going to the cart track it'd be so cool to like have a shifter cart but when you saw him doing supermoto did you wish they had supermoto then back when you were you know racing oh yeah i, li- I like all kinds of racing and yeah. it's just you know i'm i'm kind of jealous because i'm too old and fat but it's like yeah i'd have done a little bit of anything yeah well know. and see they i still got have classes now though i mean you could still do it you could still do it <sighs> No, I did. Um, <laughs> you you got to realize you're uh, not only that. I don't heal. I I got a TRX 450R kickstart only, and uh, I rode that two days and rode fairly tame. I didn't even crash, but I hurt for two days afterwards. <laughs> so it's like you know, I've I've had a good life. I've done a lot of playing, a lot of racing, a lot of having fun. But when I really got into supermoto, because it was a cheap version of road racing. Right. I yeah. wasn't that good in the dirt. Um, and slow tracks. So when you fell, you didn't really. Well, and I, I'd low side a 450 and um, I'd pick it up and kick it and go again. Yeah. I went through leathers more, you know, tires lasted a whole season. 
But I remember too being a kid, man, I wish you still had this. We had this square vinyl record and it was sound bites of Freddie Spencer going around the racetrack. Oh. And I surprised I didn't like wear a hole in it. But now I have a record player, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that. Yeah, I that, wish I could find that. Where the hell did you maybe? Was it one of the ones? Was it floppy? Like it came in a magazine? I don't. It, it was, was square, not real sturdy. It was plastic. I mean, yeah. you could. Yeah, they used to sell those in magazines. You used to I was going to say you might. Uh, yeah, it was. A, I believe it was a Honda advertisement. Yeah, I bet you could find one of them on eBay Dude, for like probably seventy five bucks. <laughs> so I got a couple questions for you. There's this um, Olympic sprinter named Michelle Jenicky, I think her name is, Jenicky. And she does like all this, like she got popular. She went viral because she ju- she's, she's Australian tights. or something, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And she's pretty fit and she does these little jumps and then these little finger wiggles. Did you, and this is like before every race she does that. Did you ever have any pre-race, you know, pat your head twice, no. check your boots once, get into some sweaty leathers. <laughs> sweaty leathers was the only thing. Yeah. And like I said, that was just a, a fluke deal that... You know, because some people, like, literally, they, like, Valentine's... I almost fall asleep. Yeah, everybody has, like... And actually, literally. he's yeah. really good because um, other people go to the track with me and they'll, like, we'll, when we get up in staging, they want to, like, talk to me and, and he doesn't. He'll, like, he kind of, like, he'll stand there but he kind of like leaves because I will sit there, and if I know in my head I'm on a bike, other than that, I would literally fall asleep in staging. When I raced Supermoto, I used to lay in my you're truck like, with the, the windows down or something, and I would listen to the carts, and uh, I could like kind of keep track. And as long as I knew, like, if I was the first heat up, I'd be. But um, yeah, I would like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, sound change, time to get Dude, up. Listen, a lot so of- I don't like go into like full sleep mode. Yeah, but even um, and there's a lot of pictures. If you look up like the Super Prestigio in Vegas, is one, and you see me like in staging, everyone else there, and just like deadpan staring at the track, just sitting there. Yeah, when like, when he ran the little cars. I'd pick him up at school, and he'd fall asleep in the van within blocks of the school. And yeah. I used to tell him, we're driving in town. Stay awake. Keep looking for people. So we get out of town. There used to be a state police post there, and he'd say, can I go to sleep now? Yep. But I don't. <laughs> to and me, that's different, car, too, though. In the car, he liked to be, you know, we strapped him in. We did this. He might ask a few questions. Did you do this or check this? Yeah. And then, you know, and then what do you want me to do? And I might say something. And I'd go check the track. But other than that. He liked to be left alone. Did you fall asleep ever at a at, on the starting line? <laughs> you ever no, no, I. But I do in the lineup. I will sit there like almost asleep. Huh. Like I have to. I'm it's sitting like a, on my bike, so I have to hold my bike a up. A different stage of consciousness. Like, he, he just likes to, and he just, like I said, he just stares, deadpan yeah, stare. Yeah, yeah. And I know he looks creepy. I saw him one time he, in the pit, and but so, yeah. he's always been that way. I don't know. You know I don't mean, I'm there in case he decides to. And it's you know, funny because when I, about, yeah, when there's times I don't get a chance to do that, the I don't. I it do never so seems to work out as well. What are you? My other about? weird thing is. Hey, what are you thinking about? Are you not thinking about anything? Are you just clear? Are you? Clear? A lot of it's clear. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll close my eyes and I'll try to run through a start or stuff like that, like visualize that, like visualize getting the whole shot. Or punting someone out of the way. I've only raced a few no, times. No, it's usually more like in the whole shot. But I always imagine he, boobies. You know, I, I ask him in the car, what, what are you doing when you're sitting there? And he says, I don't know. I just kind of, yeah. you know. Just, the other he's, he's thing I do, in um, his own. your brain's on the autopilot. I can't go pee before I race. Yeah. 
one of these days, like I swear one day I'm going to crash and like hit the dirt hard and just, and just wet myself. <laughs> Cause I don't like, I'll be in the pit. I'll be like dancing. I have to pee so bad, but I know my, I got a heat and like two heats and I'm like, I can't go. It's like an episode of cops where they tackle the guy and then he pees yeah, all over I, It's dude, I can't, wait I don't know that. if that's a good one, but let me know when your next race, I'm going to follow <laughs> you around. I want to be your friend, like rusty butcher. I'm just going to follow you yeah, around just in case <laughs> hasn't happened yet, but, um, yeah. My next question, any crazy get-offs? You had any super crazy get-offs or anyone that are memorable? Not racing. I never really crashed that much. Good. I crashed once in a pit lane, warming tires up. <laughs> Dumbass. But normally, well, I wiped out the 1100F. A guy t- they, the bad thing about running production is they're quiet. And a loud bike went around the outside, and he tucked it tight to give him room, took my front wheel out. Oh, yeah. But that was, you know, not really. I mean, I broke my collarbone, but that ain't no big deal. Well, how'd you do that? Crashing. Yeah, but what uh, what happened in that car? That was on the, the street. The 1100F. Oh. No. No, Wait. that was your arm was on the street. Yeah, my arm was I hit a, a drunk making a U-turn. No, that... I was thinking. Well, you shouldn't have been riding drunk. <laughs> I was, I was so thinking good. riding the wheelie on the CBX and then running off and hitting the tree. I wasn't riding a wheelie. I was just... Oh, riding fast. Yeah. And I just kind of spaced it. On one of the CBXs. Yeah. On the street? Well, I don't know. Just like well, Actually, down in the ditch where the large tree was. You mostly just had the 80. <laughs> Did you have a... You had a 79 for a while, too, right? Yeah. That's what I uh, hit the... The drunk in the U-turn? Drunk in the middle of the U-turn. Oh. Yeah. Ex-Belief Chief's son. Oh, so I bet he did, he got off with the stiff talking to. Yeah, 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 they didn't do nothing to him. Uh, your favorite pro racer, and your son doesn't count, not yet, <laughs> not till Hooligan. I'm goes, gonna have to step it up to go pro. Not till Hooligan goes pro in a couple. I, of years. I don't know that I have a, a favorite. I always liked uh, Spencer, and then you got to respect Kenny Roberts because he won when you had to race on dirt to win instead of just yeah, and then. Uh, Grand, I think, I think Grand national champion, you know. Yeah. I think everybody liked Nicky Hayden. You yeah. Know, he was a nice, quiet, polite person. Even oh, yeah. He seemed to do a lot off the track, too. Yeah. yeah. He that, seemed more, uh, I mean, just a personable, polite. And he seemed fella. like, you and, know, when uh, he won at Laguna and when he won the world championship, he almost seemed like he was as surprised as everyone else. Yeah, there you go. You know, like just that honored of like, I can't believe, you know. Well, especially after Stupid took him out. <laughs> yeah, his own teammate at the time, right? Yeah. Who was it? Uh, Ped- Pedroza, right? Was it Rossi, right? No. When he won the Pedrosa. championship. Pedrosa. Non-producing Pedrosa. <laughs> <laughs> He's finally retiring. Yeah. Did he ever win a championship? No. He won races, but never a championship. Never a championship. And he was like this golden boy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's weird. They said well, he, here's, he is here's the, the thing only guy that that's won too, a, a race every season and never won a championship. Some of these champions didn't even win a Here's race. the flip side of that, too, though. So he comes in when Hayden and Rossi are super hot. Rossi's still pretty hot. But then it wasn't long after when Lorenzo came in and then Marquez came in. And I feel like and uh, they were just the level above. Uh, Jack oh, Millen? Stoner. Oh, Stoner, yeah. yeah. Stoner drove the Ducati and then he went for Honda and yeah, Pedrosa, the uh, what is it? I always put in the, when they start talking. Uh, Pedrosa, the underachiever. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know I, he took Hayden out for no 
that should have got him booted right then. Yeah. And then his mechanic, well, he was just going, you, no, you don't. Not when you're. Not when he's winning the championship at the yeah. time. And, and I, I always wonder if, uh, because that gave it to Rossi, and then Rossi threw it away the next week. And yeah. I always wonder if Rossi did that on purpose. I don't know. There's always these weird things that will never be answered because, you know, yeah. in the yeah. racing world you can never I, I did watch a race uh, with Biago and Rossi, and uh, I think uh, Biago pulled a tear off in front of Rossi, which is a no-no in oh, GP. Yeah. You were talking about this. Max, and, Max Biaggi, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then, I like Biago better. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> And then Rossi went past him, and then Rossi pulled over and waved him back past. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of... Yeah. Gentlemanly. Very gentlemanly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite grip, the left or the right? <laughs> huh? Just a question about motorcycles. What's your favorite grip, the left or the right? The throttle. Okay. So the right. There you go. Most people will say the right. I, I think I agree wholeheartedly with that. Well, and one. I'm right handed. So, oh, well. well, there you go. It might not have anything to do with. It may not. Yeah. So a lot of people like that clutch too. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't I feel be- like you control more of the bike with the left. There you go. Chris likes the left. Although there's the magic, like then you couldn't do the throttle. Now we have to do a paternity test to see if he's really the same because <laughs> he doesn't like the same grip. I, visually, what do you think? Oh, I like the right. No, I meant like look at us. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking at you. And I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I don't think you need a paternity test for that. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite type of sandwich? <laughs> don't matter. Lots of meat. Yeah, there you go. The meat sandwich. That's my favorite sandwich too. <laughs> and my nickname in high school. I don't know why. Uh, what would you say the best graphics? Like what bikes be it race bike or maybe even a production bike when they used to look cool back in the day, what was the best graphics package you you think you've ever seen, your favorite one? Factory bikes, basically. I, I like the Repsol bikes, you know, you know, back when Rossi rode it and then they switched. But I always liked them. They were kind of uh, not super flashy, but yet they were, you know, when they get real They're still gaudy. bright orange and stuff, Yeah, though. They were... But Still I mean, loud. some of them you get that they got so much stuff on them you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Whereas basically, I mean, outside of Honda and Repsol, that was they had all the little stickers. But yeah, I, I like the keep it simple, stupid stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, some of those. Thought he was going to say Trusty Rusty's new graphics. Oh man, bummed <laughs> you out. Yeah, some of those. I agree that some some of them, like some of the old Ducati ones, where there was like one main. Thing and then the smaller ones they didn't have everybody competing uh, yeah for, or like the fila ducatis or i didn't like those yeah well and and even the the old ducatis are back in the 70s and 80s you know things were simple but very, functional yeah very simple when i like i do like about the ducatis that they're so red yeah because there used to be a thing with countries had different colors on their race vehicles that's why the shelby's were always blue and with white stripes. Okay, right. That's why Ferraris are always red. Technically, I guess Lambo should have been red too. Yeah, but I'm guessing Jags were always green or any of the British cars. Yeah, the British racing green. Yeah. That's very, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's actually a paint, British racing green. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my last question for you specifically is uh, what name would you have chosen for yourself if you hadn't have been Wiggs 1? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Let's go to an easier question. How many pairs of coveralls do you own? Now, not very many. Yeah. See, I always, I always like to throw that one in because some, some people, like my dad, lives in coveralls. You know who's been rocking the shit out of some like black 
Like the coverall coveralls, not the bibs. Yeah, not not overalls, coveralls. Yeah. yeah. Suicide Machine Sean. Really? Yeah. Looking stylish in them. Nice. And what's funny, I don't know, you haven't met Sean much. My dad's met Sean. Sean's a kid. Like he doesn't give a shit about anything. No, just does Sean. I like Sean. I, I he actually. Like, he goes to like events <laughs> where so many people like dress the part for the motorcycle events, you know? Yeah. Because you got to. Well, you don't got to, but so many of them, they dress the part. You know what I mean? Sean will show up in his coveralls. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you're my hero. Uh, the I used to have to wear coveralls for work a lot. Yeah, so. well, that's why I'm asking because, like, a lot of people, that's the thing. Yeah. A lot of people will have some coveralls. Well, we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be right back to wrap up the show with Wigs 1 and Wigs 2. <laughs> All right, everybody, I'm just going to give myself a couple minutes here to go over some uh, upcoming stuff as far as like uh, local events and stuff like that go. So uh, here we have coming up pretty fast here. Round four of the Drift League happening at Irwindale Speedway. I know this is car drifting, but it's really awesome. And someday there's going to be some bike drifting down there. And uh, September 28th, 1 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. $10 pre-sale tickets, $15 at the gate, and $15 for VIP parking. That all goes down right down the street from me at Irwindale Speedway. Uh, Happening uh, the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Rally number 11. 11 years of this good stuff. Saturday, September 22nd, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at 2150 Dell Avenue. There's a really good um, at 625 Abbott Kinney. There is where they're meeting up at 9 a.m. And then 10 a.m. they're going to depart and they're going up the Pacific Coast Highway. And that's always fun to see all those bikes heading up there. Uh, come ride with us. The Pasadena Motorcycle Club, one of the oldest motorcycle clubs in America, is having their poker run Saturday, September 29th. They're going to meet up at The Juice in Atwater Village at 8.30 a.m. Kickstands up at 9 and they're going to be heading up the uh, Angeles Crest, I think. So be prepared for some twisties. Um, spooktacular. October 21st at Big Willow. Classic track day is going to be going on at Willow Springs. This is also another ramming speed production. So it's always guaranteed to be a good fun time. Uh, happening at the Paris Raceway, September 15th. Um, did that already happen? September 15th. Nope. No. Yes, no, that's this week. That's this weekend. 6 p.m. Old school style speedway races. The thrilling edge of your seat races featuring handicap, scratch, and last man out style. Uh, it's going to be going down. Uh, adults is 15 bucks. Kids 12 and under are $10, 5 and under free. And uh, just head out there. You'll know it'll be in the evenings. There's not, oh, 6 p.m. I said, yeah. So if you get there earlier than that, you get to watch the qualifying and all that great, crazy, fun stuff. Uh, also happening, coming up September 22nd is Los Angeles Mods versus Rockers Ride and Camp Out. That's going to be heading up to the El Bandito Campground. Please check out their Facebook page. I believe there's a meetup at Lucky Wheels. Also, September 29th, Taco and Beer Fest out here in L.A. I know it doesn't say motorcycles on there, but I guarantee that's all the people are talking about in uh, Milwaukee, tacos and beers. And then October 20th, Red Bull Straight Rhythm happened at the Fairplex in Pomona at 1.30 p.m. Check out Red Bull for more information. That's our uh, current affairs. Let's get back into the rest of the show. I guess I thought of another question now that you just hit record again. I thought of like another question for him. All right. Well, save it for yourself because we're about to play a game. And this game is called Would You Rather? And I don't have any theme music for it, but I should have made up a funny (laughs) song this week. Maybe I'll make one before Friday and put it in here. 
I won't. <laughs> All right, guys. Would you rather? I've come up with four questions, and maybe I'll think of a fifth one on the fly if I'm quick, because I've kind of tried to make them go in a sort of an order, so to speak. Uh, and I'm going to start with, you know, the famous "Would you rather" game, right? You you have two pictures yeah. of people. Would you rather? You know, you know. Would you rather? But we're going to keep this motorcycle oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like the fifty ducks and horses. Oh thing. yeah, no. Somebody asked. That's kind of a question. would you rather? Yeah. So my question, my first question is, would you rather ride a street rod, Harley Davidson street rod, or a Vulcan S Cafe from Kawasaki? Wiggins, number two, you you take it. Oh, my God. They're both so bad, but I would have to go with, oh, the street rod. I thought you meant the V-rod. Nope, street rod. Because I, I figure they're one seven fifty, one is six fifty. Definitely the street rod. Yeah. Where where are we riding? Just like cruising through town. Sure. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. Go. I'm trying to think how ugly the Vulcan is. The street rod's what? Not my XG, but the other XG. Yeah. I'd probably ride it, and they're both V twins. No, the 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 Vulcan S is a Ninja 650 parallel twin. I'd probably ride the Kawasaki. Yeah. I knew this was going to happen. I knew you guys are loosely related. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not a, I'm not well, a Harley not, fan. To I'm, me, it's not that. The Vulcan S is just... I'm not anti It's an Harley. ugly it's cruiser. It's for me. Yeah. The Vulcan S is a cruiser. However, I have to tell you this. Kawasaki has an amazing... When you buy one of the Vulcans, they have this ergo fit that rolls right into the price of the bike. Where you can, get, and it's got forward controls. Ah, it's got forward controls in the picture. But part of the ErgoFit package, you can get different bars, different three oh, different really? bars, three different seats, and three different foot pegs to accommodate a taller or shorter rider, and it all comes at no charge. See, I, to me, that comparison would have been the street rod or the not the bolt, but what's the uh, more cafeish bolt? Or do you said a Vulcan S cafe? Yeah, the Vulcan S Cafe. Oh, so it's even different than the Vulcan yeah, it's S. It's basically a Vulcan S with the speed screen fairing on the front, oh, like okay. like the street like the street rod has a little fairing on the front. Because the uh, they did the bolt. That's X- Yamaha, right, right, right. Yeah, but they did like a they in, did the S uh, the bolt um, XSR. No, they one? they had the bolt um, C spec, the bolt R spec, and then the bolt SCR. Well, the, the Yamaha SCR. Maybe it was the scrambler. SCR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the scrambler, scrambler bolt. I think but that one's actually pretty rad. That's a 750 versus a 950. Then, and I didn't want to do that. I oh, were the bolts them. a 950? Okay. Yeah. I see why you picked what you picked. Yeah. yeah. So my next one, keeping it on, along those lines. Hopefully, you can see why I picked these. Would you rather ride a Ducati Diavel? Or a Yamaha V Max and both uh, twenty, let's say twenty eighteen models. I'd probably do the V Max. Yeah, but I like the V four. Yeah, I do too. I'd have to ride a duck. Yeah. Wow. I've not rode very many. Interesting tidbit, though. You guys are flipping the script about the duck. Your son worked on the prototype. That is pretty interesting. He doesn't tell you this stuff, does he? Yeah, he told me that. Yeah, I oh. think he knew that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My and every th- once in a while, the, the conversation starts out, I'm going to tell you this, but you can't tell nobody. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's our, con- every, every, before we start the podcast, we talk about stuff <laughs> yeah, there's that, definitely we, some of that we cannot disclose to the public. Uh, yeah. So the Diavel starts at 19, can't read my writing here, 19,195. The VMAX is it starts out at 17,000. Uh, the, the Diavel, 
Only has 152 horsepower out of a roughly 1200 cc. It's a detuned Panigale motor too, and it's it's still a like four valve water cooled V twin. It's a twin though, yeah. It's not the new V four. Yeah, and then the V Max is a 1679 cc monster, putting out 197 horsepower, 192 horsepower. It's also shaft drive. Shaft drive, yes. The DFL, uh, I did write that down here too. The uh, the DFL is a chain. Um, the thing is, the weight kills me on the V Max. The stinking thing. That's is, what kills a V Max. It's six fifty six eighty three wet, where oh the uh, the DFL is six four sixty three dry. Weight fuel does. So they're it, both pretty heavy. Then bo- yeah, it doesn't. Wait, four sixty three. Yeah, but I'm. I guarantee yeah, that two hundred liquids aren't two hundred pounds. No, no, no. <laughs> no. But still, gas is pretty heavy. I mean, it, it could add like another forty pounds, maybe yeah. with all the oil and gas and. Ducati fluid that you got, and I just heard those with an exhaust on them, and that V4 sounds pretty wicked. I do. That's why I, the I love the V Max, and I love that the air scoops are real now, where they used to be. You know, the first fake. few gens are yeah. fake. Yeah, now they're real. So the, the V Max is starting to get finally more after sexy. twenty years, yeah, <laughs> or more, right? Yeah, well, the first one was eighty five, right, or something like that. Like it was long shit. time ago. And what are they? They're just on the third generation of it, aren't they? But it's really well, not a quit, bike you change. They quit much. making it for a while. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they did. And it came back like in the nineties or something. Uh, all right. Would you rather race? This is a good one. I'm glad you brought your uh, wigs number one in here. Would you rather race? I want to go with him first on this one. Vintage scrambles or vintage flat track? And you have to be on a vintage bike, obviously, because the tracks are all the same. Right? <laughs> Tracks don't age. Flat track would probably be easier on my old body if I didn't fall down. <laughs> I'd still say vintage flat track too, more because vintage flat track bikes still work well compared to a modern flat track bike. Right. Yeah, suspension's not that much different. Yeah. I mean, look, granted, shock technology has gotten better and stuff like that. But the basic suspension of a 410 wing sprint car is the same as a Model A Ford or Model T Ford that it's been for 100 years. Model T's had friction shocks. Okay, then a Model A. It's still a straight front axle and a straight rear axle that's locked. I'm glad your dad's here to verify because I couldn't remember what the Model (laughs) T's had. My memory's that bad. But, I mean, a 410 Sprint has really nice suspension, but it's still a straight front axle. Yeah. And a locked straight rear axle. But yeah. There's no A-arms. There's no... There's only one reason they're a straight axle, though. What is that? They can change it in like three minutes. Oh, yeah. There you go. You could change one side A-arm pretty quick, too. But you would ding the frame. I Oh, I get it. I get it. Whereas the well, and straight dirt- axles are held in by radius rods, and it pops the radius rods. Or, you know, if a major crack, it, it wreck, it shears a bolt off, but they got... Them guys can get them out in no time. Yeah. But dirt. They're all quick disconnects. It's. Yeah. Scramble. You know, the modern dirt bikes, whether it be an off-road or motocross, are light years, light years better. Yeah. You know, where. Different times. Where, honestly, even an FTR 750. It's better than an old, yeah, Scrambles bike, which was basically a street bike with dirt tires on it back in the day. But, I mean, look at, you know, you go to so many dirt tracks and the TT500s are so popular, the old XR600s. Yeah, they still do really well. Yeah. You know, they pump them up a little bit. Um, CR500s and all that crazy old XR750 is still irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it, it is... 
All right, next. Uh, yeah, so you guys both pick vintage flat track. But I'm also not an, I was never really an off-road. Yeah, I'm scrambles. not even answering this, but I'm just going to say vintage scrambles for me. <laughs> sounds like it's <laughs> just sounds to like be a, the odd man yeah, out. Yeah, sounds like a Denny's breakfast. I'll take the vintage scrambles, please. All right, I just, I thought of a fourth question to lead us into the fifth question. Uh, what would you rather see more motorcycles in advertisements or more motorcycles in movies? Hmm. Because in a way, a movie is an advertisement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, I I would say it would be better in advertisements because if you remember, which neither of you do, because neither of you were here in the '65. You tell them how old I was. (laughs) You ain't that old. (laughs) You wasn't born. You know, uh, eighteen. When when Honda, you know, come out with the you meet the piece nieces. Nicest you people. You meet your niece on, on yeah, the Honda. I, well, yeah, she's nice too. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of you know magazine advertisements that, and then other. Well, that was they, where Kawasaki listen, screwed up. They, they said the, niece. Yeah, yeah. And they only sold bikes in the and, south, and they and, and in France, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the south. But you know, even those Honda ads. Had well, the guy in this little suit with the his wife on the back, and they're waving to the neighbor. And, yeah, and the CT ninety ads showed the dude riding with a rifle going deer hunting yeah. on a CT ninety. Yeah. How did and, you and then you had it became there was enough of it out there that I seen cigarette ads that had a motorcycle. Oh, okay. in them. Well, and what I've been seeing back a lot lately is um, cigarettes. Yeah, like watches. Uh, Bradley Cooper, I think the uh-huh. actor uh-huh. just did a. I saw an ad for like a watch. But he's like putting on his leather gloves, yeah, yeah, okay. and he's got his old vintage Triumph or someone's old vintage Triumph. Yeah. So that's what I thought you meant, like by ads, no, yeah, not I did. necessarily I did. like Honda putting ads out. But no, well, but because um, here's the deal: because it, during March Madness, I never see motorcycle ads on TV unless it's during flat track, which you're already watching a motorcycle thing, right? Uh, during March Madness, I saw a Kawasaki ad on. ESPN or whatever the hell March Madness was playing on. The other day I'm watching this commercial for I don't know what it is, some heart medication and the woman and her the woman and her husband are both on their own motorcycles touring the Southwest and how can they do that because they have healthy hearts because of this that's medication. Cool. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's an interesting way to show motorcycling. I think you don't see ads for what motorcycles. What I think of when you say in a movie, I think like the Mission Impossible stuff. Uh-huh. And Tom Cruise rides motorcycles, and I can't believe he allows those movies to go out with that horrible <laughs> of sound bites. <laughs> you mean like what? I get that the stunts are kind of fake and stuff, but the two-stroke Ducatis and like yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? Or it's a twin, and then it's a four-cylinder two seconds later, and I'm like, dude, it's not like. And you would think someone who actually rides motorcycles would be like, dude, if I'm going to be in this movie, you can't fuck yeah. it up that bad. And I haven't it's seen 2018. Like, yeah. stop yeah. fucking them up that bad. Yeah, well, it's going to be screwed up, but not that bad. Yeah, well, I've done guys- a few Harley commercials, and every soundbite there is from a Harley. Yeah, you guys know that the uh, but- the Harley Davidson that jumped out of the window into the in Terminator into the helicopter was actually like an XT250. Oh, like I'm sure the stunt bike going, itself. Yeah. yeah, but you know. That also chips had a supposedly a large motorcycle. Uh, you know, they both were moto cops and the newer chips, not the old, but the new chips movie that came out as comedy. I don't know if many people went to see it though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm, know. W- I'm with your pops on this, and where I think the ads, I th- I want to go with ads yeah. because I think the movies, the way they're portrayed in movies, is 
unreal. The ones that I come to mind are, and the sound bites are just shit I notice, but it's always like this secret agent stunt guy, and it's never it's like not uh, real life. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's never, but it would be cool to see. Like, there's so many movies out now that are kind of like dry humor or like serious type, and there's never a character that like. Rides around town on a motorcycle every day. Yeah, and that the to me would, would be, be the, the original Top Gun. Well, but and and that to me is kind of accurate too oh, because yeah. a lot of the military guys, especially the fighter pilot oh, guys, yeah. get them. But yeah, you know, like, except he would have a helmet on. Or yeah, he would be. Shit. Yeah, yeah. And you do you have to in every state? Oh, on every base. Oh, yeah. do they? Okay. You have to take the Lee Parks, right? Nowadays it's Lee Parks, but even back then you have to I know to the bikes have to have all the street legal and yeah. their cars, all the turn signals and everything got to yeah. be there and all that. You have but. to take a rider course. You have to wear full gear all the time. Um, but I also wonder in stuff like the Bradley Cooper and whatever watch it was, if that really does much for the motorcycle. People see Bradley Cooper on a motorcycle. That's got to do something. And they're thinking like, so if it's Bradley Cooper, it's a five or to ten thousand dollar fancy watch, and oh, he's got this vintage motorcycle. I want a vintage motorcycle because yeah. it would cost less than the watch yeah. that they were selling. When you said ads, I thought you meant print ads versus uh, any, TV. Ads. Anything, any print but or you TV. know, it used to be print ads carried a lot of weight, and now yeah, that's the hard part too. Yeah, to me, it's well, like how they're portrayed, and I what I would like to see with. The industry is being portrayed more as a, realistically and more yeah. as a mode of transportation. Yeah, I think in the states we view them only as a, a toy. toy. Yep, only as a weekend thing, and not because I ride motorcycles and because I used to commute on one every day, but because our traffic sucks, our our smog sucks, our emissions sucks, and it's in a more efficient for everyone the more people that are on bikes obviously they need training and stuff like that but well just look look out on the freeway how many cars all have one person yeah I know. yeah and it's like dude you know you got a big denali or whatever some gas hog pig mobile and you got one rider in it it's like yeah yeah you, you know it, it's uh-uh. yeah i agree i fully agree and my last i can't uh, say much up until a few weeks ago i drove a huge dually everywhere <laughs> yeah but you drove it because that's what you had for your motorcycling yeah, yeah i was gonna say you kind of you pulled you had a lot of bikes and a lot of supplies in that at you know oh a lot of times too. a lot of time and and that's why it's still around right now and that's too. why i'm in yeah. town yeah to get the to get the truck or i uh, took it to milwaukee and back yeah he rode the gold oh, that, right. so that's why i had the gold wing i didn't ride it over here a couple weeks ago i rode it to work right and then i got the the volkswagen but um so he rode the Goldwing out, got the truck and trailer, drove to Milwaukee. So my last uh, to finish out the would you rathers, would you rather Drake or Cindy Lauper? Do you know who Drake is? <laughs> just go with Cindy Lauper. Yeah, I would, would you? have to pick that just for that one. <laughs> I All right, you got the one going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I'd save the, uh, that one for last. Oh, All right, everybody. Well, hey, that's been our show. We've had Wigs 1 and Wigs 2 in the studio. And I want to encourage everybody. I know that there's a lot of voting going on right now. And uh, a lot of the primaries and all this stuff are... Uh, scared. Yeah. A lot of the primaries are, are hitting hitting hard. People are winning and losing all baseball over. Baseball tee. That's pretty rad, though. Yeah. And so we, we have a little Lance Pear suggested this hashtag about six months ago. And I took a little while to make a... Uh, 
drop the hammer on it, but it, uh, Lance, your hooligan Jesus for president. I made a little design and I got Wiggs a shirt. Hopefully it fits in. My design, they, they did shit on it. And they also, I got Wiggs a... a uh, the coffee co- mug last week. Coffee mug for being... fit. For being a one-year guest. He's turned one as a co-host uh, on September 1st. And friggin', they sent us a brown coffee cup. So let me know, any any listeners out there that are ordering the mugs off of Zazzle, let me know if they're coming to you brown instead of black, because that's definitely a little blurry. Like, it doesn't look as crisp and Yeah, they look vivid. like they don't care. Yeah, they blew up my design and uh, should have asked for a higher resolution instead of just Man. taking the one and blowing it up. So I, I like the shirt, I like the idea, I don't like the execution, but... Uh, <laughs> Vote Wigs. This uh, <laughs> this uh, hooligan Jesus for president. This <laughs> this uh, during this uh, primary. Are we we're in like the the uh, the I don't know what mid year primaries right now. Right? Yeah, this yeah. is midterms. You got to yeah. wait two years. To- yeah, I wish we could just make them all quit and start from scratch. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. They have to flat track to see who's gonna <laughs> get to uh, get to keep their job. All right, everybody. That's been our show. I'd like to thank. Uh, Wigs one and Wigs two for for hanging out tonight, and I had a lot of fun. Check out the we dropped some uh, local events, so check those out. And uh, anything else? You got any cool sign offs? That's it. You got any cool sign offs? No.